On this episode, we discuss Bright. Starring Will Smith, Joel Edgerton, and Los Angeles plays itself. Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey guys, I'm Stuart Wellington. What's up? I see Stuart poised. There we go to open a can, so I'll wait before I introduce myself. I'm Elliot Kalin, the third co-host of this show, and in many ways the glue that holds it together. <laughs> okay, the hand that rocks the cradle. <laughs> Those aren't the same I thing. Think you're the remembering that movie. <laughs> <laughs> the great mouse detective. <laughs> the mouse that roared. <laughs> <laughs> well, that kind of... <laughs> Uh, the nine and a half weeks. <laughs> the Finnegan's Wake? No, that's a book. Was there another <laughs> Finnegan that you were thinking well, you think of? It was Finian's Rainbow? Yeah, I think it was Finian's Rainbow. Uh, if you want to see a boring musical, check out Finian's Rainbow. That's my pull quote. Wow, I didn't know this was Dan Bash's um, theatrical performances. <laughs> I mean, there's a movie version of it, too. Okay, which is that good too or bad or Dan? Dan, I come don't, on, dude. I'm sorry. You introduced the concept of and I'm Finian's looking Rainbow. directly at you. Dan, I don't know if I want to defend your hot take on Finian's Rainbow. <laughs> You're gonna have to answer to all the all the all the Redditors who are mad at you about it. Yeah, all the fans who are like, that's not my Finian. <laughs> my Finian would never do the things in this movie. <laughs> yes. They go, uh, this is not very uh not very. Uh, Come on, you're mocking a fan. I know. Get it right. You know what? I couldn't get it right or pay the price. Finian's right. rainbow powers are all different in this movie. Guys, let me let me level with you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We are in New York City, uh-huh. a city I've been visiting from my new hometown of Los Angeles, mm-hmm. of which more in the show. Uh, and I, we are about to get hit by a cyclone bomb of snow, and that means my flight was canceled. And now I'm kind of having trouble focusing on anything other than wondering if I'm going to be able to get out of this shit town okay. and get back to sunny Los Angeles. So I apologize if uh, my ability to imitate a Reddit commenter who is angry that Finian's Rainbow is not as close an adaptation <laughs> of the original source material, which I assume is a comic book series of some kind, uh, as he would like it to be. I apologize if my ability to do that has been hampered somewhat by my fearing for the lives of myself and my mm-hmm. family. Because we're trapped in New York in the year 27, no, 2018. <laughs> yeah. This is this is certainly <laughs> worth all the, the airtime you're devoting to it. I'm just saying, the year is 2018. Roving gangs of cyborg marauders have taken to the streets of New York. Uh-huh. And only a roller skating gang <laughs> called the Solar Babies. <laughs> one, one, Naming one. themselves after their favorite movie. <laughs> one thing for one thing's for sure. We haven't lost it. Like the three of us back in the same room. It's so, electric, right? Yeah, it's the 
It's like the movie Solar Babies. <laughs> That's electric. Every moment's great. Yeah. So, guys, uh, so what the fuck do we do on this podcast then? That's dudes? what I was We don't ask. talk about weather and weird bullshit that nobody knows about. We don't talk about Solar Babies. That's <laughs> on our Solar Babies podcast. <laughs> you're yelling at me as if I brought Solar Babies up. <laughs> Damn. Why are you always bringing up? So- no, you're right. You brought up Finian's Rainbow, an even dumber thing to bring up than Solar Babies. Uh uh, at least most of our listeners are probably immediately checking YouTube to see if there's an illegal stream of the movie Solar Babies right now. Mm-hmm. If they're not, and I'm lost my faith in them. Yeah. Uh, this is a movie. Wait. Nope. No. Check. Back up. <laughs> okay, guys, what happened to we us? We are losing it. <laughs> we watched Bright, and suddenly our minds are, is- like, are not working properly. <laughs> Uh, we watched a, yeah, what Dan, happened? what do we do on this podcast? <laughs> did somebody Dan, t- don't fight the bright. Don't let bright take over. Yeah, did, fight the bright. Did somebody hit you with a magic wand and make you forget how to talk? It's like a magic spell was cast to stop people from criticizing bright. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, like, what did you think of that movie, Bright? Oh, you know, it wasn't very... Blah, 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 blah. What? It, you know, it was pretty bad. Blah, blah, blah. I assume it was good. You're just not You're telling You're speaking orcish, I'm assuming. <laughs> because, Something that you learned after watching the movie and liking it so because he loved it so much, yeah. So, so Dan, what do we do on this podcast? What do we do on this podcast, not a movie. <laughs> this, is, this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie. You're doing yep. great. Keep fighting the bright, and then we talk about it. And in this case, we uh, took a little detour from what we usually do, which is watch mm-hmm. theatrical releases, and we watched a Netflix film. But this is the first of Netflix's new slate. I think, guess they're hoping of. Giant feature films. Yeah. You know, they want to show they can make movies just as big and just as dumb as anybody. <clears throat> yeah. And and then they can advertise the shit out of them. Because why spend any money advertising, say, the return of a cult classic television series called uh, let's just call it Blistery Blinds, Bleeder, Bleed Blouse, and Blah Blah Burn. Why would you spend a dime to, <laughs> yeah, I mean, to promote that? that? Great. A family show anyone can watch that provides hilarity and lifts the spirit when you can mm-hmm. spend millions promoting a thing, movie where a cop is partnered with an orc and they fight about a wand. The show you're talking about, it sounds like a project that would appeal toward long uh, appeal to longtime fans, but yes. also, you know, be welcoming to new viewers. And maybe it would give a fresh spin on an old favorite in a way that would make both the original episodes more mm-hmm. lucrative and give them a wider base. And also, you know what? Introduce a fresh cast of characters and uh, maybe a great head writer uh, who But no, is that sounds silly. Why don't, we, why don't we instead give all that money to a bad movie made by people who make other bad things? <laughs> well, you know, everyone tried hard, probably. <laughs> Elliot suddenly turned into, like, the movie maker's grandma. <laughs> look, everyone tried hard. Look, I want to tell them that Bright wasn't for me. Now that, now that Elliot's moved to L.A., fun. he's like, got to hedge my bets. <laughs> There's, There's a the, chance that me and Joel Edgerton might run into uh, <laughs> run into each other at Spago or something. Wait, it, is that in, is that there? Yeah, is that's that, the spa okay. that you, where you go. <laughs> Weird, it's okay. A, it's a pooping spa. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, for the constipated. Uh, I Yeah, now, <laughs> there is the part there. of me now that more than ever, now that I'm not in the New York Topical Rude. satire bubble. The New York, yeah. Now that I'm no longer in a New York state of mind, mm-hmm. and instead I'm living in an LA minute. What LA songs are there? <laughs> uh, there's. I'm now like. I mean, you love LA. I know that about you. Yeah. I mean, all I want to do is have some fun until the sun comes up over Santa Monica Boulevard mm-hmm. in LA. Uh, now there is a part of me now that's like, how many bridges am I burning every time I do this podcast? <laughs> well, I don't think that many people listen to it. 
So, uh, <laughs> Silver lining, Stu. Silver lining. Uh, so, so, but Bright is, in Netflix's mind, I guess this is the first wave of yeah. major Netflix motion pictures. Well, like and also, normally we watch a movie that's either a critical or financial flop. And this movie, though it didn't necessarily technically make money, Netflix claims it was a huge success. It got a record number of viewers. And they've already greenlit a sequel, so mm-hmm. brighter. Yeah. Now, I mean, like, Fifty I don't, Shades Brighter. I don't want to get into this too much because I'm stupid on the subject. Let's just say I'm. Uh, which subject are you stupid of the many that you're dumb on? I'm like, what the 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 Netflix? So what happens yeah, is you no, load no, up no, your no, Netflix no, player. Okay, <laughs> yes, Stuart. Wait, no, I'm having some trouble. How do you how do yeah, you yeah. get onto it? So it's going to give you an option for account. You got to pick the account that is yours. You don't pick out somebody else's <laughs> okay. account because okay. they might have different faves what, than you. Can I take? What if I just pick the kids' account? You don't want to do that. <laughs> okay. You're going to see some crazy stuff. So you're going to go to your account, and there's going to be a bunch of recommendations. And you know what? Just watch those. I mean, <laughs> just trust trust so how, Netflix, how dude. Do I, so I have the screen full of, I assume, what you're. it's just a list of text titles. Yeah. And I, and I like, what do I Yeah, you use I, your cursor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to, to what, highlight the one yeah, that I want right to see? Yeah, you right-click on the thing, and then you drag it into your viewer box. And then what do you type in, like, run.exe Netflix? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's crazy. That was in the original version of Netflix. <laughs> oh. This one, you just drag it into the viewer box, and then you strap on your, uh, your goggles, and you're ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds easy. Sounds super easy. And that's how I can yeah. watch Cheers. <laughs> I mean, you can watch any episode of Cheers you want, as long as it's between seasons two and four. I mean, the, the, the no joke aside, for me, Netflix lately has become a Cheers delivery device. Oh, that's um, great. My, my wife and I will be will get me home and we'll put our son to bed. And then it's like, made them all have dinner. And it's like, you know what? Let's just watch Cheers. And so if you go mm. to the recently watched in a section in my Netflix account, I think it's just Cheers. Yeah. And the Netflix keeps suggesting wings to you now. And I'm like, they're not the same, Netflix. <laughs> I'm not going to go hang out in a fucking airport. <laughs> it keeps uh, suggesting it's always sunny in Philadelphia. And it's like, just because they're both set in bars doesn't mean they're in any way similar, Netflix. <laughs> You're judging me only by the setting of the show I watch. Well, I mean, level of success and the Dane DeVito connection. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I guess, you know what? You're right. I thought about <laughs> See, that. I'm right. Yeah. It's just like when I watched Exit to Eden, and now it shows me nothing but cops undercover at S&M Resort uh, movies. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so the subject I'm dumb on, though, is the economics of the showbiz business. Yeah, and, okay. That's kind of what I was talking about. Yeah. But, like, this movie cost $90 million. It was as widely reported. Uh-huh. And... Uh, is this movie going to like draw in people? Like, are people going to be like, I got to subscribe to that Netflix so I yeah, can watch it? Yeah, it's all Bright. about having content that makes people get excited about so that they subscribe to your, your thing. Right. But I understand that, I guess. Okay, great. When they're making television shows, but when they're making, or even like mid range movies that are not like, like Netflix has had a lot of success actually before this making kind of like middling budget like what? films. Uh, like, uh, I guess that. Gerald's game, okay, maybe or Mudbound. No, Wait, like the Adam they Salem didn't put a lot of money into Gerald's game. How did uh, yeah. how did Bruce Bruce Greenwood get so fucking shredded? Right, <laughs> he took his shirt off, and I'm like, <laughs> dang, like, tie on top of me. I was like, whoa, <laughs> nothing yeah. good can come of that. I just don't like, I was now every time I see Bruce Greenwood in a movie though I'm like like he plays uh, <laughs> he plays Secretary McNamara in The Post, uh-huh. and I was like, oh man. 
there's no way Secretary McNamara was as shredded as Bruce Greenwood is. <laughs> there's no way. But all like, I can think why about he, was, why does he keep pouring water all over his shirt? <laughs> oh, why is why is Genuine's pony coming up? <laughs> it's like I don't understand. I don't believe that in the cabinet meetings he would just rub milk into his own chest. <laughs> but all right, okay, you're the boss, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Uh, anyway, this is a movie about orcs and some shit. So let's talk about Bright. So Bright yeah. is, uh, I'm going to use a f- term that I don't think is a technical term, but I'm going to introduce it now in case people, in case it, there's people yeah, who yeah. need a term for it. Yeah, TM. And I'm just going to call it a cut and paste. Okay, TM. And, and maybe that exists already, but a cut and paste to me is when you take the real world Stop being polite. Okay. <laughs> sure. And, and you start, start being real. real. Yeah. Where yeah. you take the real world taken. and you go, what if this thing, instead of instead of living in a world where there's no magical monster beings, uh-huh. what if instead of other human races being in different parts of the racial hierarchy in America, what if instead it was like mythical beings? And then you kind of cut and paste things so that's like in our world, there are you know, street gangs of non-white races in many cities because they're shut out of economic opportunity and often sequestered into parts of the city that are not the best to live in and so forth. But what if instead of that, they were orcs? (laughs) (laughs) And then nothing else was different. So the, and actually in this case, they didn't even totally cut and paste because there's still Latino street gang that we see running around in this. Yeah. But but they're never like well thought out. Analogies too. I mean, like we are not the first to point this out, but maybe if you're making a movie about racism, don't postulate that other races are literally not human. <laughs> They're literally monsters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, well, there was the uh, there was an ad for uh, there was an ad for a, a a show on Fox. I think it was a, a futuristic cop show about a guy who's partnered with a robot. Oh yeah, and the I remember robot, that show. The robot's a black man, and the posters just kept showing this man's face at, with the name of the show "Almost Human" <laughs> on it. And you're like, the get ro- the fuck out of here! Was the robot black? I was? thought, yeah. yeah, I thought no, so. The robot yeah. was black. Oh, I guess I never really watched. In it. theory, I guess the the other guy could be uh, he he could have been the 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 uh, not the robot, cop, but it yeah. was still the face they were showing with the phrase "Almost Human." And it's, it seemed in poor taste. <laughs> the, uh, it's the so setting aside. I feel like we could spend a lot of time talking about the kind of misguided attempt at a racial message in this, where in fact you are instead showing. It's one of those things where it's like the reality is that human beings are relatively interchangeable, like, and that different humans have different individual. Capabilities or, I get or it. abilities. I know that, what you're saying. I'm not really your best friend. You have a bunch of other people who are close. You're just as good as me, and everyone's interchangeable. <laughs> I get your message loud and clear. I Elliot. think you're misunderstanding you were, me completely, Dan. <laughs> you were telling me that you do have a Dan out in LA. <laughs> <laughs> Who's like, you know, Don't tell him not about my other really Dan. the life of the party, but he shows up, and Don't, that really helps. Don't tell him about my other Psy guy. I'm sorry, Dan. I didn't mean to use that term. I know that only your kind can use the word Psy guy yeah. to describe yourselves. Uh, or depressed modes. That's another one that you guys use. No, uh, but what were you saying? I'm sorry. That human being, like, this movie, it's one of those things where once you create actual different species, Zootopia is kind of similar to me, where it's like the idea of fighting racism is to show that humans are all human and that stereotypes about race are 
based on constructs that are not usually not accurate. Occasionally, mm-hmm. they're accurate. My family is very Jewish, but besides that, <coughs> there's a. But when you when instead when you be like, orcs are at the bottom, elves are at the top. Isn't that fucked up? And it's like, I not in this world, orcs are monster men, and elves have like magic powers. So you're <laughs> yeah, we have almost no, and we're given relatively no information about any of these, like the what the differences are. They don't. I mean, they don't seem to be that different. But I guess then they start being ninjas later on. Yeah, but that, that like you're creating a racial hierarchy where there are very real differences between species. It just upends your message, and the implication seems to be like, oh wait, so are you, are you saying other races have different powers and abilities, and that's why things are the way they are? Like that screwed up. That being said, the movie does have one beautiful thing in it, mm. which is the single. Centaur policeman <laughs> whose face we never see. He's just kind of in the background a couple times, and it's such a dumb pun on the idea of a mounted policeman. Like, hey, in this world, policemen don't ride horses. They are the horses. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what? It's like Mel Brooks stopped by set one day, and he's like, I got an idea. And they're like, great, Mel. Toss it in. <laughs> you got it. But anyway, let's just, so, but uh, Bright is a world where 2,000 it's- years- crazy that they put that fucking centaur policeman in the movie and at no point does he like chase somebody down he never helped the heroes never have to ride away on him oh god it's such a waste it is such a waste speaking of wasted opportunities the movie bright so uh we're in a world where two thousand years ago there was some kind of hobbit style wars before you get too into it how does the movie open Okay. Does it open right into credits? No, there was text on screen, though. No, there was the text of a prophecy. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, I'd forgotten. <laughs> but I've already forgotten what the prophecy said because it was so dumb and so unrelated. Should we go? Now, here, guys, I was going to try to do this one not in quite as much detail as I usually do. Thank yes. so I want to talk the about, Dark Lord. <laughs> so I'm going to do the concept first. But if you want, I can do it scene by scene. We open with a quote from a prophecy. <laughs> Let me just do some world building here. Okay, so 2,000 years ago, uh-huh. there was some kind of Hobbit-style War of Nine Armies, against, or Lord of the Rings-style, against a Dark Lord, who we only see him in spray-painted... Graffiti, and he seems to be basically Elric of Melnibene, like just kind of a That's big pretty pale good pronunciation elf. there. Homie. Thank you very much. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in my youth trying to figure out how to pronounce that name, uh, but it doesn't. It, so, and orcs were on the wrong side of this battle. Two thousand years later, this is still an issue. Now, again, those kinds of things can last for two thousand years. There's still people who don't like Jews because of the story of the crucifixion, and there are other people who don't like Jews because. They just don't like them. There are people who are still, like, there's still that holiday in... Elliot, it, it makes you feel better. I don't like you for personal reasons. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> there's still, is it is it Serbia, where they still have a holiday commemorating their loss to the Muslims in the 14th century? Like, those kinds of, uh, those kinds of, ang- like, things hang over people for centuries. But here's the thing. If that's the case... How come everybody, everything else is exactly the same? Even the fact everything that everything is exactly the that same. That you're in a city called Los Angeles, which is named after angels, which is an explicitly like Judeo-Christian Muslim thing, and it's specifically a Catholic thing because that whole part of the country was originally settled by Spain and Mexico. Like the idea that it's like we had this dark lord and there was magic and stuff. 
There's Jesus and angels. I, mean, I feel like so there's so many. There's so many weird anachronisms and weird. Well, not even anachronisms. Just like weird things that seem wouldn't make sense that they would exist in a world with, uh, you know, like orcs and elves and stuff. That I would love to hear a commentary track for this movie where the guys from the Magic Tavern podcast explain <laughs> everything. Well, that would be wonderful. <laughs> Chief among them, I think, is the part where like they reference the movie Shrek. And you're mm-hmm. like, the movie Shrek wouldn't work in a world where these things are actual <laughs> where things. Where they have actual magic. And no, it would be like in... Uh, Magic Tavern, where they play that office role playing game, <laughs> like Shrek in the in that world would be would be set like in a normal place with just normal people or something like that. Yeah. But also, that, at one point, the orc is like, like if they were like, "Hey, the movie Shrek exists, and all the orcs think it's fucking awesome." Racist it's like, well, or awesome. I like to think that they th- think it's amazing, and they <laughs> always are listening to like fucking Smash Mouth, <laughs> like All Stars, the like orc theme song. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's a movie. <laughs> Dan, go tell Max Landis to change it. So, but okay. The fact that there was a moment where there's a there's a Latino cop and he goes, and the, the orc cop is like, because I'll tell you the plot in a moment. The orc cop is like, ugh, every, we're always the bad guy. And the Latino cop's like, hey, we're still getting blamed for the Alamo. It's like, so the Alamo happened in this? So there was still a war of some kind between Texas and General Santa Ana? Like, how did that how I does mean, that work in a world where there are elves and fairies and and orcs? Like, yeah, which side was working for the Dark Lord at this point? I don't know. <laughs> it's like the I don't know. It's like it's I mean, something it's like that one of those should... classic like alternate dimension things, like where you just like walk into another world and it's like I don't know. There's everything's the same, but there's giant shrimp walking around, and I feel like that's. I like... love this idea. <laughs> wait, wait, no. Go let's, on, let's Dan. Spin this world out. Hold on. Now, are okay. they cooked shrimp? Are they are they <laughs> yeah. finished and prepared for plate? But they just happen to be enormous. They look These like living shrimp. shrimp. They look like shrimp cocktails. <laughs> okay. Wait, so they're in glasses. <laughs> well, that's, that's that's like a Doctor Who that's villain. How they sleep. <laughs> they sleep in glasses. Like in glasses. Okay. They like yeah. They hook their little heads over the. Now, do humans exist here, or are they are the shrimp the dominant species? <laughs> oh no. I Humans mean, are their pets or their prey. No, I'm pitching a movie where there's a shrimp, uh, there's a shrimp cop, see, and then there's a regular <laughs> cop played by Bill Smith, <laughs> <laughs> which is also Will Smith's name. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, this is a slightly less, this is slightly less formal Will Smith. No, this is a, this is set in an alternate world where he is Bill Smith, and yeah. instead of celebrating the Willennium, everyone celebrated the Billennium. <laughs> okay. okay, I follow. Okay, You've done great. your homework. <laughs> now, uh, strangely enough, there's always a ripple effect. So in that world, there's not a bear grills. There's a bear wills. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And of course, there's Grilly Nelson. Everything yeah. flips over to the next guy. Yeah, and it's the, the Bubba Gump Crab Company. That's right. <laughs> because they don't eat shrimp there. Yeah, and when the audience sees that, they all gasp. They're like, What? <laughs> You did it, you monsters. <laughs> like, I shouldn't have stepped on that butterfly in the past. Bubba <laughs> Gump Crab Company. Then you go into the Sea Forest Company, it's just like soft shell crab, <laughs> king crab. <laughs> anyway, so we're in Los Angeles. The year is now, but it's all fantasy stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Will Smith, or Bill Smith as some refer to him, <laughs> he's a policeman who is partnered with the first ever orc cop who has the very orcish name of Nick Jacoby. <laughs> and so Will Smith, and Will Smith plays the part of Daryl Ward. And yeah. uh, he's 
kind of a jerk. He's not a great guy, and the movie opens. Why couldn't his name have been like Clark or something? What the th- what? Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> you see, in first this off, world, first off, I'm not talking about Bill Smith. In this in this fantasy world, black men have names like Clark and Thor Rock Teeth. <laughs> Everything else is the same. Everything else is the same. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, that's well. I think that's racist of you, Stuart, to assume an orc's gonna have a name like Clark <laughs> when he could have a name like Nick Jacoby, <laughs> which I guess. And this is something we were talking about while we were watching the movie. I assume was the name given to his family at Elvis Island, which is the Ellis Island that elves yeah. found in. Elliot looked around for like two minutes, <laughs> waiting for us to laugh. It's and give not him an fives. island that Elvis owned. But that's the other thing. They could have done a joke on that. Like, is the Elvis of this world an actual elf? I mean, now we're doing Shrek too. Who died using a magic toilet? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Anyway, uh, it, yeah, is the band T Rex called T Shrex in this fantasy world? <laughs> oh no! Oh, I'm imagining the deviant art. Oh no! Uh, Who's so, pregnant in this scenario? No. Still knuckles. <laughs> Or Tails. <laughs> Knuckles is never pregnant. <laughs> no, that's true. He's it's the al- impregnator. It's always Tails or Sonic. Uh, so uh, Will Smith uh, is introduced waking up after a nightmare. He was shot in the line of duty. Uh-huh. His partner is an orc, and his partner let the shooter, who was an orc, get away. He, the orc says by accident, Will Smith thinks, maybe suspects it was on purpose. Uh, Will Smith's wife is angry because there's a fairy chittering around, flying around mm-hmm. outside their window, and he wants Will Smith to go outside and kill it, which Will Smith does by hitting it with a broomstick. And we're never quite are never quite clear if fairies are sentient beings. They're posited to be more like squirrels in this yeah. world. Yeah, so you can just beat it to death with a with a broom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like you would a squirrel. <laughs> while yelling fairy lives don't matter, which is both offensive to the Black Lives Matter movement and also seems like a gay slur. <laughs> So uh, good, good on you, Max Landis. I guess is what I'm saying. According to Twitter, he doesn't remember writing that line. Okay, he says he doesn't remember it anyway <laughs> because I mean, he was on a coke fueled binge. <laughs> it, in his defense, that does seem like the sort of thing like some idiot would sneak in at yeah. the last. Like some executive would be like, "Hey, let's make it topical." Yeah, it's the yeah. equivalent of ADR. They're just like tossing in an extra line mm-hmm. at the end of the script writing process. Except I think he's on screen when he says it. No, I know. I mean, but it's like the script writing. <laughs> and his, his mouth's moving. Yeah. And he's oh, saying those God. Words. You the think way. he was saying something? What would he say that would have those exact same lip flap movements? <laughs> <laughs> they would change it afterwards. Let's get he's the like, bad lip reading guys in here. <laughs> Man, I keep referencing other things on the internet tonight. You're being very topical. Saying, I like uh, it. Barry White matters. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In that world, he does. He's Barry the White, and that's what he became after that's he the, fought uh, the Balrog. <laughs> that's the. Uh, but he was Barry the, the Gray originally. It's for the. TBS cut of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a Netflix film. Why are they selling the syndication rights? (laughs) Yeah, this is what I'm saying. I don't understand the economics of this. So anyway, uh, they're cops. Nobody likes the orc Nick. Everyone's racist against him. Everyone's like, Will Smith, you got to get rid of him. Like, figure out some way to get rid of him. And Nick is- They meet a bunch of other cops. Uh, The other cops give both of them a bunch of shit. The orc gets a kick me sticker on his back, which is kind of weird because it's not even funny. Like, are they laughing because it's ironically a bad <laughs> joke? Like, I don't know, man. It's not clear. Well, this is an alternate universe where orcs exist, and that's a very funny and joke. nobody's done that before. That <laughs> yeah. was the, literally the first time. Ike Barinholtz shows up and is a jerk, and it's like, yeah, I guess he's getting that money, right? He's at, that, he's at his career peak of being like a goony jerk, right? 
Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say that. I mean, <laughs> I mean he's a great he's a great comedic actor, but he's been in a bunch of these Suicide Squads, right? Yeah, that's true. He has that <laughs> he has that character headshot where it's like Goonie jerk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure character. he's a very nice person. Yeah. Goonie in, doctor, in real life. Goonie you guys don't need to hedge Goonie. your bets. Uh, I'm sure he'll still still work with you after he listens to this podcast. I just don't know why you're why you're like. Taking such an interest in Ike Barinholtz's like his before, he's not a major character. I want to know what he's gonna do now that the Mindy Project's done, dude. <laughs> All right, well, Ike, if you're listening, write yeah, in, write Stuart an email, Stuart Wellington, care of the Flophouse, one two three Main Street, New York, New <laughs> well, well, York. We, we've moved up in the world, <laughs> not on Fake Street anymore, huh? No, Main Street now. So Nick is a real sweet soul for an orc. His his fangs have been sanded down, his tusks. And mm-hmm. he doesn't, you know what? He's a cop first. He's always wanted to be a cop <coughs> ever since he was a kid. And he's not blooded, which is, it's never not clear till the very end what that means exactly, but it's some kind of orc rite of passage when you show yeah. you have bravery. Some sort of werewolf bar mitzvah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Men become, boys he, becoming men and men <laughs> becoming wolves. Yeah. yeah. And he's kind of like, uh, he's, he's like an eager puppy character where he's, he just wants to kind of fit in and please and, and do his job right. He's a little too innocent for my, my okay. liking of it. He's a, at times he's almost like, it's like you could have had him played by a child or like by Eddie Deason and the way he acts around Will Smith would not be that different. And I'm just about the writing. Dan, I know you love Joel Edgerton. I, you thought his performance was amazing. I made one comment during the movie that I thought Joel Edgerton was doing a good job and the Dan's shit like, storm rained down like, upon me. <laughs> He's in bright like this, and he's completely different in the movie It Comes at Night. What can this guy not do? <laughs> Just don't tell me he's some kind of warrior. <laughs> he's in the movie Warrior. That's why I made that joke. Oh, that I'm down? just explaining jokes. Right, right. I will say, Joel Edgerton is clearly acting through a very thick layer of makeup that makes him look like... I mean, the whole thing is, is also, this is such a kind of Alien Nation ripoff, uh-huh. and then the makeup makes them look even more like the Alien Nation characters, yeah. in a way, with their blocky, splotchy I heads. I would have loved if the orcs drank, like, sour milk or, or spoiled <laughs> milk or some shit, yeah, right? Yeah, that that's how they got drunk in Alien Nation. That would be, cr- like, but they there's literally no difference, other than they all seem to fit very well into football jerseys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, now, talk about a movie where, like, the world isn't really that different, and they're aliens like running around all over the place. But the different, but the thing in alienation is the aliens are a new arrival. Yeah, they're not. This is this. That's positing it's our world. Aliens have just shown up, mm-hmm. and they're just starting to assimilate into human life. And humans are just getting used to them. So it yeah, makes sense it's a that similar the thing with the same. I mean, the one of the closest correlations is to the the role playing game Shadowrun, which is set in like a cyberpunk future, but you have like. You know, you have all these fantasy races and those are all because there was like a ritual that brought magic back to the world. So it's all kind of a new thing that people have had enough time to kind of get over the newness of it. (coughs) But it hasn't completely pervade like it hasn't completely taken over the culture. Whereas this is a movie where it posits that like elves bring along, I guess, like ugly suits and iPhones. Elves are super rich and they wear (coughs) hilariously over-tailored suits and they all drive sports cars. And there's one scene where they drive through the elf part of town and it's like future city and there's the worst computer effect I've ever seen, which is literally just a nicely grassed 
traffic island yeah. with a gold <laughs> fence around it, and it looks like they hand drew it in like yeah. a Disney cartoon. And we've yeah, recently like- seen Fateful, or what is it? Uh, uh, what's that Fateful Findings movie right. you watch with the super drawn-in blowtorch? No, it looks like if you ever see... Oh, Pass Through? I, pass Through, yeah. If you ever see... Uh, Showgirls on like VH1 where they like rotoscope in like, like clothes, like clothes on, like they put like bikini what? tops on the on the girls. <laughs> yeah, it was they like it waking like. life some bikinis on them. Exactly. I want. I spent this morning watching a bunch of old silly symphonies cartoons with my son. He loved them, and I felt there was more realism in those than this one shot of this bizarrely fakey looking traffic island. And like it's anyway. So. We see that, but but the introduction of the 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 status of the different races is not unlike if we were watching like a teen movie and somebody was taking the new student through the school and was like, "This clique is the jocks; yeah. they're the toughest. This clique is the dumbos." Like the, in Bratz, <laughs> when there's that great moment where they're going through all the different cliques, and one of them is kids that dress like dinosaurs. Yeah, the dinosaur kids. That was great. <laughs> uh, so anyway, let's do the plot super fast. Uh, there's a crazy guy with a sword who's just rambling nonsense. Uh-huh. He gets arrested by Will Smith and Joel Edgerton, and he says to Joel Edgerton in Orkish, there's a prophecy, and this guy is a chosen one, and you're you're going to be great or whatever, some nonsense. He speaks in total mystic riddles, which does not prepare you for when that guy is being interrogated by the Federal Magic Task Force, and suddenly he is the most rational, like, kind of dude Lebowski-type guy just talking about how there's this group that's collecting magic wands to stop the Dark One, yeah, to bring crazy. the Dark Lord back. Well, federal agents show up to interrogate him. One is an elf. He's pretty chill. And one is a big slob. And they ask him a couple questions, and he's evasive. And then they basically explain the whole plot of the movie to us, like and to theoretically a person they're interrogating for a crime. Yeah, that there. Maybe are. he was driven mad by reading the plot of Bright, <laughs> <laughs> and that's why it was There's so crazy. There's a group before. of dark elves who are trying to bring back the Dark Lord. Uh-huh. Now, the movie seems. No, to I think- mean not technically Drow, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, there's a woman whose name is. I don't even remember, but she's after another elf named Tika, who's on the run. It's like Leela? Leela. Leela is the bad elf, and Tika is the good elf. Tika's on the run with with a magic wand, and if they can get their wands together, they can bring back the Dark Lord. It's kind of like the Nuki kids, right? Nuki and Miko? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. I just thought it was funny that her name was Tika, because that's like a food. Yeah. (laughs) Every time it was was so hard for me not to think chicken tikka masala every time. Mm -hmm. Just call, give her a different name. I don't like, or is this a universe where India doesn't exist because mm -hmm. it was destroyed by magic or something? I mean, that would require a little more footwork. I think it's a lot easier to just make Shrek jokes and say that all orcs play football instead of basketball because they can't jump high. Yeah, but they're very tough. There's there's a moment where there's an orc wearing a jer- football jersey that says fog teeth on the back or fog tooth and I was like I like that touch. So there must be like an orc football player whose name is something Fogtooth. That's a jersey this guy wears. But then it turns out there's a gang called the Fogteeth or some garbage. And so that's why there's a ton of orcs wearing jerseys that say Fogtooth. And I was like, dude, you're like undoing your own world building. Like, come on. What do gangs really wear jerseys with the name of their gang on the back? Is that like that's I don't know. That's called I'm a team. A you live in that's LA, what, dude. Yeah, you should. According to this movie, the rainiest city. <laughs> that's the other thing. It's as far hard. as I know, uh, all gangs uh, r- r- go around on roller skates or they dress up like baseball players. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or they're the orphans, I the gang keep, nobody likes. I always keep trying to get me to come out and play, and I'm like, 
No. You're like, get those bottles <laughs> off your fingers. <laughs> then we'll talk. Now, now the things, it does, the, here's what's the real fantasy aspect of this movie when it comes to L.A., from my experience. It's always raining in the movie, uh-huh. and I've lived in L.A. for almost five months now, and we've had, I think, an hour of rain in that time. Two, there's never any traffic on the streets. <laughs> oh, yeah. But also, what's realistic about this movie is it's constantly exploding and on fire, and L.A. is always on fire, apparently, <laughs> as is my experience now, as there's constant flame ringing the city. But anyway, so... Will Smith and uh, Nick, they Joel Edgerton. Re- Joel Edgerton. They respond to a call where there's a bunch of bodies that have been all burnt up and crazily destroyed. It turns out that's where the good elf escaped with her wand. But before they can figure out the story, they find the wand. They call for backup. The other police, who are racist, show up, and their plan is to tell Will Smith, "Kill the orc. We'll take the wand, and we'll use it to make all of our wildest dreams come true." And Ike Barinholtz goes, "You want a million dollars?" You got it. You want $10 million? You got it. And I wished he could have just kept going, <laughs> ma- just multiplying you that. You want no- $10 million and $1? <laughs> you got it. You want $11 million and $47? <laughs> you got it. You want $13,500,000 and 14 cents and five euros? You got it. That's magic there. But magic wands can't be handled by just anybody. They make you explode if unless you're a bright and a bright is someone who can handle a magic wand. So it's uh, like somebody with a lot of midichlorians or exactly. some other eugenics bullshit. Yeah, brightichlorians. Uh, <laughs> some kind of eugenics thing that Ryan Johnson will right away, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> thankfully. Uh, so, because uh, I like that movie. I like that Ryan Johnson Star Wars movie. Yeah. Oh, so can I. we talk about that? Come at us. Internet. Come on, Internet. I, mean, I really liked that movie a lot. I mean, I think the the Internet at large liked it. I think there is a vocal minority who most likely thought Bright ruled and is listening mm. is hate listening to this episode. Yeah. They thought that Bright ruled and Last Jedi ruled, and I respectfully would reverse that. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Okay, and say that Last Jedi ruled and Bright ruled. We're going right to final judgments on Last Jedi. It rules. Did any? <laughs> did Bright have a scene where a famous Jedi milked a kind of? Probably sentient creature that was just bumming around on the beach and mm-hmm. then guzzled that milk right in front of somebody to weird them away. It's so great. I love <laughs> oh, it. I love that moment. That's my favorite moment, I think, of any movie all year. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, the uh, so. Uh, you're like, <laughs> imagine you're like watching all of the Florida project or something. You're like, no, not realistic. <laughs> no, no aliens. Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> Uh, I'm watching Mother and I'm like, pretty close, but <laughs> not exactly. <coughs> so these dirty cops are like, kill that guy. Kill the orc to Will Smith. Kill the orc and we'll let you live. And uh, long story short, Will Smith ends up, he he interrogates the his partner and he says, why did you let the orc that shot me get away? Why did you do it? You trust orcs more than you trust your fellow policemen? I'm mm-hmm. your partner. And Nick the orc says, hey, I didn't let, I lost the guy who shot you. The orc that I found was a different orc. I could tell because he smelled different. But I let him get away because I knew the police who were showing up wouldn't believe me. And they would have killed him because they would think he shot you. I saved that orc's life. It is the right thing to do. That's when the dirty cops, one of whom we haven't even mentioned is played by Margaret Cho, walk <laughs> out. And Will's, and they're like, time's up. And Will Smith shoots the dirty cops rather yeah. than be killed by them over the wand. Well, yeah, we didn't mention that like the dirty cops plan was – not just to like get Will Smith to kill Jacoby. Like they're also like once Will Smith left, they're like we're gonna kill Will Smith too. Which so as I said up- at the time, like they really jumped to like killing Will Smith early in that. I feel like 
their plan for everything has to be like to kill Will Smith. Well, I will say that Will Smith in this movie is at his least charismatic. He's such a jerk. So he should be shot. To everybody. Yes, basically. <laughs> when you're Will Smith and your charisma, to use a Dungeons and Dragons term, is a million bazillion plus or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, <laughs> wow, and you're yeah. Not you using know your that, D&D. And you're not using that charisma? Then like, what, <laughs> yeah. what are you even doing here? He's, yeah, you're like, dude, roll your intimidate or roll your influence. I don't even fucking remember <laughs> D&D that well. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Will Smith kills those dirty cops and he's like, we got to go. They find the wand because the, the elf Yeah, girl, he triggers bullet time and he kills all four of the cops. It's amazing. And the elf girl, who they've met now and who talks to Nick and Elvish because Nick says he took Elvish in high school, mm-hmm. uh, explains that someone bad is coming. Her name's... And, Do and orcs that, have to go to, a, like, a segregated high school? It's not really talked about. I assume it's not segregated. It's not official segregation, but since so many schools draw from who lives in the area, it effectively is. Okay. Because as as is made clear in the movie, orcs are... The repressed minority, so orcs equals, I guess, black people, which means black people in the eyes of this movie are mythological monsters that can lift cars sometimes yeah. and have tusks. <laughs> anyway, so uh, – it's but that's – again, that's the problematic racial message that we don't have to get into because we're going to yeah. talk about how uh, Tika, the elf girl, uses the wand to blow up a car. She then does not do anything to help anybody in the movie – for much of the running time, <laughs> as her ability to use a wand to create explosions is not used to stop the gang of 60 to 70 Latino guys who then chase them who want the wand because their leader, who's in a wheelchair, wants to use its magic to heal his legs, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, as that I was, was saying, when we were, when we were watching District 9, which is a movie that is kind of like this but better in every way <laughs> um, – isn't there's like a warlord who also <laughs> is in a wheelchair and he wants – you know, the technology so he can, you know, be better, right? Mm, they probably stole that idea from Bright. Okay, <laughs> you're probably right. <laughs> uh, and it's another, also one of those movies where, and maybe this is true, I don't know enough about gangs, but it's one of those movies where gangs have the highest military-grade weaponry. Like, they're just firing automatic weapons, and, like, they're one step away from missile launchers. Remember, yeah, remember back in, like, Last Boy Scout, where, like, every bad guy has, like, a MP5 or an Uzi or something? <laughs> yeah. Like, where do they get all those? Yeah, there's a scene later on where they go into uh, some sort of strip club casino, where they're it's just, a, like... It's a strip club <clears throat> casino that feels like if you've ever been to... <clears throat> Like a mall in Flushing, Queens uh-huh. that has like a Chinese dim sum food court and there's just booths everywhere where you can get different types of food. That's what this seems to be like but for vices. Yeah. There's like a drug booth. There's a gambling table. There's a strip booth. There's a sex booth. And they're all uh-huh. just kind of open to each other. It's like this open vice court that anyone's allowed into, I guess, because people just walk in with big guns in their hands. Yeah, maybe there's a booth for people who just really like carrying big guns around. Mm-hmm. Now, this but, is the section of the movie where yeah, they just kind of wander from now, first one a, heavily a, populated area to the next heavily populated area. First there's a chase scene, area. and they escape from that gang. But yeah, now they're walking between heavily populated areas. Yeah, they just keep going into, like, areas that have too many people, which on one hand you'd be like, okay, they're the bad guys won't be able to do anything because they don't want to risk getting caught, but they show time and again that they don't care just firing machine guns off. Yeah, well, that's what I was about to say. Like, when they walk into this casino, they're they're just, like, fucking blowing the shit up. They're, like, they don't care about... The the small business owners who run this (laughs) place. (laughs) Exactly. 
They don't care about <laughs> whether they have insurance or not. Or most yeah. likely not. And that's when Dan sat back and said, I'm just going to sit here and wait for the police to come up and arrest these men. But that doesn't happen because who gets the drop on this street gang first? Yeah. It's the three mean elves, which <laughs> yep. is the leader. The three mean elves. <laughs> it's like a terrible children's book. I only read the credits, I guess. <laughs> it's the leader, Leela, and her two hench people. One is a bald guy, and the other is a woman. They're and like they're super. They're all X versus Severs. They're, they're like, just super fighters. They're like if somebody scanned an Evanescent CD and was like, make a person out of this. <laughs> <laughs> and they are maybe the most boring villains I've seen in a movie in a long time. What are you talking about? They do all those flips? <laughs> they just do Boy. lots of flips. They, lots they, don't, of side they certainly jumps. don't talk. They barely talk, and they just kind of look at each other, and there's a seat they like – but they're and they they slit people's throats. They're mm-hmm. kicking them. They're shooting them. But their big weakness is anytime a blunt object is thrown at their heads, <laughs> this could be just a barrel. This could yeah. be a big jug of water. Anything. Now I will I will interject that Numi Rapace plays the leader of these mean elves. <laughs> Three mean elves. Three mean elves. <laughs> and she. I mean, I think she does a fair amount with basically nothing. Like she has no. She's given nothing. And she tries to do something and add some like strangeness and otherness to this character. So she's great. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. this is I'll, when I she's will not say, flipping and kicking when it comes to like any performer in this is doing their best. Like I couldn't, I, it's hard for me to think of any performer in this where I was like, Ooh, like they are, they have been given not the top qualityist material to work with and they're all trying as hard as they can. And you know, God bless them. <laughs> you know what? Dark one bless them because they're they're trying their best and they're doing their best. They're yeah, all trying to get this Netflix movie thing off the Grandma ground. Grandma Kalen comes back. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Bless their sweethearts. <laughs> they're just doing what they can with what God gave them. And by God, I mean the David Ayers one. and Max Landis. <laughs> uh, so they're on the run. A lot of this movie is them running from people, finding a place they think they might be safe. Then someone comes along and attacks them, and it's constantly raining, and they can't trust anybody because they don't know who's a dirty cop or not. Meanwhile, the federal agents, who this this kind of salmon twitch type duo, one is a slobby big human, and the other is a, a fancy elf dressed like Ray Tango from Tango and Cash. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of hovering around the edges, following them, and it's you're waiting for the moment when these guys are going to play like a big part in the movie. Hey, guess what? They only exist to communicate the plot in that one scene, and otherwise they just kind of <laughs> oh, hang and around. to exonerate people the, at the yeah. end. That's true. And to pull <laughs> to pull a okay, good, we fixed it all up. <laughs> yeah. Even though you blew up a bunch of buildings and killed a bunch of co- <laughs> killed a bunch of cops. Well, they we, the heroes try to bring them into the main movie by calling them on a cell phone and. Midway through the conversation, the three mean elves use a fire axe to <laughs> chop down a cell phone tower, they I just, guess. They just <laughs> chop a wire and it sparks and the call cuts out. We have to assume that in this fantasy world, that's how cell phones work. <laughs> cell phones work on a landline system. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they found the one tower that services that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's the know. dark tower. Yeah, they use their fucking scrying magic. Yeah. They, they, what they, here's how cell phones work in this universe it's all magic. Hmm. And they found the wire that brings the magic from the magic plant like yeah. over to the phone magic box. So they cut it. The phone magic box just stopped. Meanwhile, at the phone at the magic plant, you got these guys being like, hey, what happened to all wires? In the middle of the night always? All right, get in the truck. Let's go. And the three mean elves are like, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. <laughs> so we have a, a fight scene in a gas station convenience store, which... 
Before you ask, no, it's not as good as the shootout in the beginning of the movie Cobra. It's not even as good as the shootout in the movie Loaded Weapon 1 that takes place (laughs) in a similar setting. (laughs) When there's that row of cans with a guy's, with a lumberjack or whatever on them, and they get shot all in the crotch, so so when the liquid comes out, it looks like the guy in the can is peeing it. That's a a good bit, I like that. Yeah, Loaded Weapon 1, hit movie. (laughs) It was the fatal instinct of his day. I remember, like, what was it, like, was it comedy... The Comedy Channel, or was it Ha, that had uh, Short Attention Span Theater? I mean, that was on Comedy Central, so I don't know what it started on. But yeah, Short Attention Span Theater was on. Com- I I was I didn't get Comedy Central until after those two channels had merged. Right. So Short Attention Span Theater was on it at the same time. Or unless I, you think of Two Drink Minimum, which was also on Comedy Central. Well, it was one of these. Are you thinking of Limbo Land? Small it, doses. <laughs> I think it was one of these shows that they had. Probably Tom on, Goes to the Orient? Probably on the Comedy Channel. That was just a bunch of clips of other things. Well, that was Short Attention Fan Theater, yeah. And I just remember that over and over again, they would show a scene from Loaded Weapon 1. <laughs> <laughs> just like a clip from that. I remember when Short Attention Fan Theater was premiering Comedy Central's movie about Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. Uh-huh. And it was they made they advertised the shit out of it. And it was maybe four and a half minutes long. Like, it was basically a comedy sketch. But they kept promoting it like... Comedy Central's first movie. We've got it right here. And I remember getting so excited about it. It was the I, Tanya of its day. It was like so – it was literally like four, a four-minute movie maybe someone had sent – like had independently produced <laughs> and they got a hold of it. But they built it up like it was this big thing. <laughs> anyway. Uh, uh, early days of cable when when no one had any idea what to put on television. I think that was when Mark Maron was still hosting Short Tension Span Theater, but I'm not sure. Probably. Uh anyway. Let's ask him. He's on a podcast too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's you know We're what? automatically colleagues. Let's uh I guess let's leave this house and go down the street in Podcastylvania. Yeah. Over to over to his house. Go to the cat ranch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Find out tell, we just have to answer his questions 3. <laughs> the answer <laughs> who to our all guys of them. are. <laughs> What Lauren said to us. What did our, and what our dads did for a living. <laughs> and then we can ask and him. whether or not he and I have beef. <laughs> <laughs> then we got to listen to him play guitar for a while. Oh. Anyway. WTF, so. everyone. Pioneering show. Yeah, sure, yeah. Was, I mean, we're, found, we're yeah, was, showing that we've listened to him before. Yeah, yeah many times, yeah. Uh, I mean, I've listened to Not. minutes 11 through the end of the show many times. <laughs> oh, <laughs> let me loosen my collar. <laughs> oh, ouch. Anyway, so they're on the run from these these mean elves. Yeah, let's, and- talk, let's talk about this <laughs> dumb movie about elves and cops. And, and as they get picked up by an orc gang, and the orc gang is really mad, and they're especially mad at Nick Jacoby for turning his t- turning against his fellow orcs and being a cop for the man. This instead. is a tough scene for me to watch because the orc gang leaders <laughs> I'm makeup orc. is so uh so puffy. He's got like this big uh He's what? like the Robert Zadar of orcs. <laughs> He's got the biggest head with these two tiny little tusks sticking out of it. I will say the skin makeup not terrible in most of the orcs. The tusk makeup is the tusk prosthetics are not great. I would say I'm not going to give I'm not going to throw much shade toward the skin makeup. I wish the I wish the like costume department did something. Like did something. I mean, I'm I mean, sure their direction was they were trying to make it look yeah. realistic and they're like, "What?" Well, but that orc gang does have like a shaman who wears a, a deer skull. At that point, I'm into it. it. Give just, me that. Just hanging around. <laughs> it's like and uh, <laughs> he's like comes in. And he's like, I thought we were all wearing it tonight. <laughs> yeah, guys. Ugh, I left my jersey at home, so I had to wear this cloak with a deer skull on it. <laughs> anyway, uh, 
he tell the gang leader tells his son, shoot that orc. And the son says, I can't do it because I'm the orc. I'm the orc he let get away. He saved my life. So the gang leader's like, oh, and you think yeah, this you're is paraphrasing the, all, but that's okay. Yeah, but you think this is the moment. Well, they're all saying orcish too. So I don't know. It's all like, yeah, you think this is the moment where he's going to be like, you did that. Maybe you do look out for your orcs, but instead the gang leader's like, go, son. I'll do this myself then. He shoots Nick, and that's when yeah. Tika decides to get that wand out and do a little something. So you're probably wondering, hey, you guys haven't mentioned Tika in a while. <laughs> Is she still in the movie? She's been in the movie the whole time, occasionally chirping like Lilu from <laughs> Fifth Element, <laughs> she, but significantly less of a presence. There's one scene where Will Smith and uh, before the big fight at the drugs at the uh, drug store, the gas station, Le- uh, Will Smith and Nick are and Joel Edgerton are bandaging their wounds, and they mm-hmm. have a conversation about whether they like really like figure out some of the beef between them and they break down. That's some what of their they're issues. doing. I spend too much time looking at all the really cool graffiti written on the walls, like. Orcs suck and fuck off orcs. <laughs> and but and during that scene, she's in that she's there in the room with him, uh, with them. Tika, she's room given, where it happened. What? Nothing. Yeah, she's in the room where it happened. The room where it happened. That's where she wants to be. And <laughs> mm-hmm. when because uh, when Alexander Hamilton asked Tika, "What do you if you'd stand for nothing, Burr? What do you fall for?" And she was like, "I'm not Burr. I'm Tika. <laughs> but I want to be in the room where it happened." Yeah. And then a banjo. So weird, in. really weird production of the show. Yeah. <laughs> Very <of> Brightleton. <laughs> What's your name, man? Nick Jacoby. <laughs> really? Because you're an orc. Shouldn't you have a name like Tharg Fangtooth? <laughs> nope. Nick Jacoby. Uh, oh no, they keep pronouncing it Jacoby. So, which also made me think of Jacoby and Myers. So, mm. the whole movie I'm thinking of Tika Masala and Jacoby and Myers. Very hard to focus. Yeah. Uh, You're hungry. You want to sue someone. You don't know what's going on. <laughs> I'm all turned around, all upside down. Anyway, good thing, good, good thing there wasn't a character named uh, Cars for Kids. <laughs> <laughs> There's a part where the internal affairs guys show up and they're the slimiest guys and they want Will Smith to wear a wire so that he can trap Nick into into admitting something. And they, they should have just named them Selena and Barnes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we made the joke before, but they should have been like lizard people or rat people or yeah. the two guys from Hot Fuzz. <laughs> but anyway, so they're, they're talking out their issues in the bathroom. And this is one of the better scenes in the movie. I felt like this is one of the better, like, more heartfelt scenes. Tika is just creeping around in the corners pretending she doesn't know what a hand dryer does and kind of just like gazing at it in awe and like putting her hand kind of close to it but not close enough to turn it on. And yeah, this movie I, has like, is she is like a feral child because like <laughs> we're, we're to believe that elves are like integrated it, into society. We haven't that's the thing is like we don't really know we haven't they haven't really established what elves are like though the images we've seen would indicate that they're just like Rich people. They're the one percent. Yeah, maybe she's so rich that she's never been in a public restroom before, <laughs> and she's never seen a hand dryer. The same way that like that would mean that that character would have like like traits and not just be like a weird, weird like feral child. <laughs> she, I thought you were gonna yeah. say that. Mean that character would really have to poop. <laughs> <laughs> never been in a bathroom. <laughs> I mean. Just, I mean, law of averages. Yeah. When you consider, like, how much food can a person eat, Elliot? I don't know how much elves eat. They're not people. That's the thing. Maybe they just absorb dandelion pollen. So, assuming that that elf has been eating a certain amount of dandelion pollen, and 
I, I'm assuming she's done some level of squats over the course of the day. That's going to get stuff moving. Man. <laughs> yeah, I so. Elves love squats. <laughs> I mean, just to get up and down, dude. Yeah, sure. Just, well, I know what just squats to shake are it for. Out, yeah. <laughs> now, here's here's something that just in the way you pronounce the word elf that makes me think: What if instead of elves being the one percent? Alfs were the one percent, <laughs> and there was so they're like uh, they're always eating cats, and instead mm-hmm. you have these like very short furry puppets that are trying to bring back the Dark Lord, and they're like, "Hey, Willie, Will Smith, that is. <laughs> yeah, Why don't you give me the wand?" <laughs> Yeah, and in this version of L.A., the uh, the streets are riddled with, uh, what, like, holes in the ground so the puppeteers can fall. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. They're like, they're like, damn Alf's cutting up the streets, <laughs> making it hard to drive so they can walk around with their puppeteers. Oh, but, I would love that. Okay, but what would be the orcs in that? What, like, the di- like Sinc- Sinclair from the Dinosaurs show, or what? Like, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Sinclair family from the Dinosaurs Earl show. Sinclair, and, like, the end and the and the the cop is of course the grown up baby dinosaur. So he's like, you know what? Ever since I was talking to not the mama, I've wanted mm-hmm. to be a cop. Yeah. Ever since I was the baby, gotta love me. I wanted to be. I wanted to wear a badge. Mm-hmm. I guess that's just Theodore Rex. Here's the thing. I mean, this movie's Theodore Rex, right? Yeah, except without Whoopi, Whoopi, Will Smith is in the Whoopi Goldberg role. That's true. Joel Edgerton's in the Theodore Rex role. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're very similar. But though. is Theodore Rex the grown-up baby from the from the Sinclair family? I mean, I think you could start tracing lines, Elliot. Yeah, let's right. let's oh, get yeah. out. Has like yarn on the wall. Yeah. Let's get out our let's get out our work board. Uh, everyone- Dan, get all the red string we have. Uh, all right, I'll go down to Michael's. I guess. <laughs> Don't go to Hobby Lobby. Just pick it up from. Michael's. I want to see that scene in a movie where like the guy has to go to the craft store before he's, he does. He's the- like, it's like, where's the pushpins? <laughs> No, Do you have no, one making, like skulls on them? Doing a project? No, I'm just, just an evidence board. He's, oh, you want our evidence board section? He's, he's putting together his evidence board, and he's like, of course, op- op- the Operation Paperclip, Nazi scientists, Jenga, and then he's <laughs> he's rolling the yarn, and he, run, and he runs out, and he's like, uh, I got to remember this connection when I, well, I run to the store and get this yarn. So in his, his head, he's just like, Oswald. JFK assassination. Oswald, JFK assassination. He's repeating himself that that to himself while he drives over to Michael's, gets the yarn, pays for it, mm-hmm. comes back, and then you know when he comes back, he's gonna forget it. As soon as he he walks in and his wife is like, "Honey, did you get that?" And he's like, "What? Oh, I forgot what my connection was." I feel like an evidence board like that with red string, where you're trying to draw the leads and all, and you just can't make it work because you don't have enough. Like the thread runs out. Sounds like a puzzle you would find in like a video game where you're like, "Well, I made the uh, connections." wrong i gotta go back to the start uh, so it's missed basically yeah i guess i flipped the wrong switch somewhere along the lines of this pneumatic tube guess i'll just keep flipping switches who, who built this island i guess we'll never know was uh, it leisure suit larry <laughs> <laughs> he's busy in the land of the lounge lizards <laughs> okay so right so uh nick gets shot by the orc gang leader and Leela uses her wand to bring Tika. him back. To, uh, sorry, Tika. Use, I, I apologize. So, uh, Tika, you forgot which stupid name you were talking about. Yes, thank you. Tika uses her wand. Dan wants to apologize to any of our listeners who might be named Tika or Leela. Yeah, <laughs> and any true. elves or orcs who might be listening. Sure. Mm-hmm. Tharg, Clark, if you're listening, mm-hmm. I apologize. Uh, she, he uses she uses her wand to bring him back to life, and the other orcs are like. 
what? And the orc shaman with the deer skull, who up to this point has said very little, says, oh, he is risen. This is the prophecy or some nonsense. Mm-hmm. And everyone bows down and they let Will Smith and Tika and Nick go. And I, I do love what you're saying before. I don't want to like totally like gloss past it too fast. The fact that it was totally immaterial that he saved that kid. <laughs> that kid. <laughs> like, it's like, it in no way in helps. In no way them. helps. <laughs> they just like... You're like, oh, this is going to be the plot contrivance that gets them out. And it's like, no, the plot contrivance that gets them out is she has a magic wand. <laughs> and you're at that <laughs> point, can yeah. make up someone undead. And at that point, you're like, why do they care if they get shot at this point? <laughs> yeah. Can't she just met? And also, there's a fight later on where Leela f- shoots her magic wand at Will Smith and knocks him against a wall. And it's like, couldn't that magic wand blow up a car earlier? Yeah. Like, shouldn't Will Smith be deadified right now? Yeah. Except perhaps there's more to Will Smith than meets the eye. He's not a Transformer. <laughs> okay, because he got me excited. Or right? even a Transmorpher, but we'll get there. Uh, so, let's cut to the chase. The the Mean Elves catch up with the good guy elf and the other ones. They've managed to make it to the Mean Elves' hideout, which is a pool and like in a basement that glows, and there's a tree growing out of it. <clears throat> I'm not quite there sure why the, they had to go there. Well, it's and it's at the original crime scene. Like, didn't they investigate That's the right. fucking property it's that they were at? Something about like healing Tika. Tika is sick at this point, uh huh. So they got a doctor in the fucking she, glowing like, resurrected this guy. It's unclear, but they have to. Yeah, they have to dip her in the. They magic got a pool. dunker in the magic They've pool. They got to put her in the back water. to tank. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but Leela tracks them down. Fight, 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 fight. Will Smith gets his whole hands on the wand in order to save the day. De- Leela and Tika have a moment where. Suddenly we're supposed to give a shit that they're sisters and one of them has betrayed the other. And it's like, I don't care. Not since the show sisters have I cared so little about a sisterhood right now. <laughs> but I would, If they talked about their traveling pants right now, I'd be like, this is a more interesting sisterhood than the one I'm watching. I wish there was some kind of divine yaya sisterhood involved in this <laughs> because that would be a more interesting sisterhood than these two or, magic elves trying to bring a dark lord back to life. Even a regular yaya sisterhood. It, it doesn't even have to be divine. Get me – because to – Air is human, but to Yaya is divine. Uh, they're fighting, and Will Smith is like, Nick, shoot her in the head, and his gun is out of bullets. And he says, he grabs the wand, thinking, if I touch it, I'll explode, and I'll kill everybody here, and that'll stop the bad guys. But no, when he touches the wand, he's a bright. He's got magic power. Oh, he's the one that the prophecy was about. Yeah, he's all prophesied. Because, of course, the prophecy is going to be about the big star hero of the movie, who could have seen that one coming? Just like how in Tinker, Tailor, Soldier, Spy, how are we going to know that the mole would turn out <laughs> to be the Bird, biggest star Colin in the Bird movie? Colin picked up a magic wand, and everybody's like, holy shit, Gary Oldman's dying. <laughs> Tinker, Tailor, Wizard, Spy. But that was one of one of the, like, if ever You've th- been complaining about this. For years. Since the movie came <laughs> because out. Because it is poor casting. It's like, hmm, who's the mole going to be? Is it going to be... The I think, big star I think or I was be Toby Jones. I was reading I was giving my vows at my wedding and Elliot <laughs> jumped up and told Does anyone object? About this. Yeah, I object to the casting and Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. I'm like, this is otherwise a very good movie. <laughs> Except for the one scene where Benedict Cumberbatch's boyfriend breaks up with him and he makes a sad face that is hilarious. <laughs> oh wow. He's great at doing New York accents, he's great at doing sad faces. Uh, what can't Benedict Cumberbatch do? Anyway. So Will Smith saves the day and blows up the evil, the mean elf. And it was at this point where I was like, 
It can't be that easy. Certainly the Dark Lord's going to come up <laughs> to defeat him. Did you say certainly? Certainly. <laughs> she certainly did. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing a shirt. That's, that's to tip off the audience that I'm wearing a shirt. You know how like... Uh, the audience was right. worried this whole time. Like Carol Burnett would pull on her earlobe to talk to her grandma. That was my way of, in code, making sure they knew I was shirt, shirted right now. Uh, but I... Uh, the Dark Lord doesn't get doesn't get woken up because I guess that's going to be saved for Bright Three, the Bright. I moon. kept exp- like yeah, when there's all this talk of the Dark Lord, I kept expecting it to get a lot closer to the Dark Lord actually coming. Yeah, like <laughs> well, now when you say coming, you're afraid of the fact that the wand always looks like it's dripping jizz whenever yeah, people use it. Yeah, mm-hmm. glowing jizz. No, wait, but does yours not. Wait, that's kind of redundant. Your your jizz glows, right? <laughs> or is this because of that time an alien spaceship this is picked me up? The secret of the ooze. <laughs> when you when you flew with the navigator. Now, I, but Look, that's, I, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm surprised. I've never heard a joke before about teenage mutant ninja turtles do the secret of the ooze. That the secret is they're teenagers. And that's why that ooze is all over the place. <laughs> Gross. Because <laughs> Splinter's like, what is this ooze that's everywhere? It's like, shh, Michelangelo, don't tell him the secret of the ooze. <laughs> Because they found that one bikini picture of April on her Instagram feed. <laughs> yeah, there's a shot where Master Splinter's like, what's that noise in there? And Michelangelo's like, just playing with my nunchucks, dude. And then Master Splinter looks over and the nunchucks are sitting on the ground. <laughs> I just wrote a Ninja Turtles movie. Give me some money. I don't know about a whole movie. That's a whole, that's like three scenes. <laughs> <laughs> but Dan, you were saying Secret of the Use, what? No, I just like, it seems like, I know how you hate movies that end with a glowing porthole to, portal to something. No, but this needed a glowing porthole to something. Yeah. Like this, I've, or, uh, like it, or at the very least, something that makes me feel like this dork, Dark Lord, I was going to say Dork Lord, this Dark Lord is like mm-hmm. a real threat and not just, uh, for all we know, this is just a bunch of crazy elves running around yeah, killing exactly. people for glowy glow sticks. And it's, I mean, the obvious thing I would say is not to fucking backseat drive this dumb movie, but like... You could easily, I, I mean, I think the movie would have been better had, like, the ending taken place in, I don't know, like, the fancy elf land, if only so we got a little bit of variety in what we're looking at. Mm-hmm. And just to show that, like, oh, like, yeah, this is a level of corruption at a higher level, they don't understand it, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. Yeah. But, long story short, they blow up the the bad guys and the place, Uh Nick gets out, oh, but Will Smith so is still good. trapped inside, and Nick runs back into the fire to and save him. And all the him. cops are like, oh, okay, I guess we'll, he can, we'll just let him run right. back into a burning building by himself. <laughs> like, one, one, less, one less orc, I guess. And But then we see a wide shot of the house on fire that just sits there for a while. And then in the distance... Through the doorway, we see these <laughs> figures stagger out, and it was like, wait a minute. This is the scene where the orc is risking his life to save his partner, and it's being treated like it was a fucking, where's Waldo? <laughs> like, you're supposed to pick it out among all the details and mm-hmm. find the wizard and the scroll and the dog. Yeah, uh, it's, it, it felt like it was an Easter egg that the filmmaker snuck in there. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's... Sorry, Elliot's recapping while checking his phone. No, yeah. sorry, no, sorry. My so wife this, texted me something. So, so anyway, they they they're in the hospital. The federal magic people ask them what happened, and Will Smith makes up a story saying there was no wand and no magic. In exchange for covering up what happened, they are seen as heroes. They get medals. The dead, dirty cops are remembered as heroes, and 
he and this orc cop has made the grades. Like mm. LA Confidential. Oh, and he and we find out what being blooded means in that the orc gang shows up at this emergency crime scene and <laughs> they, they somehow knew where all the action was. And like. the federal magic task force just lets him walk up and the gang leader cuts his hand to let it bleed and they all raise their hands to him as a sign that of respect and that's he so now he's blooded and he's a full orc man. That's his orc mitzvah. Mm-hmm. Or blood mitzvah? I think blood mitzvah's better. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, so I think that basically sums up the movie. Uh, I think there's a bit at the end. Uh, it's not in the movie. I remember reading somewhere that a bunch of the makeup effects artists, like one of the teams, got left out of the credits entirely. Uh, and yeah, if that's true, that if that's true, that totally sucks. Yeah. Yeah, that does. Because uh, this is a movie where, like, I totally love uh, special effects and makeup effects, um, and a ton of that stuff went into this movie. Um, I'm just disappointed that I didn't like the movie more. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, that's a good transition to uh, final judgments final on judgments. the movie. Whether this is a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie we kind of liked. What do you have to say, Stuart? Uh, I think this is a bad, bad movie. Uh, I'm mad that I had to watch it. Uh, it's... Yeah, I mean, there's just so much stuff to it, and it feels like it feels like somebody came up with a lazy idea, and they cherry picked basically only the like MacGuffin elements of a fantasy story. They just want to tell like a shitty cop story, and then they're like, "Oh, well, I can just resolve this whole story through magic because uh, it's a fantasy story." Um, so yeah, it's not good. Don't watch it. Don't support this. Don't watch Bright Two. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just gonna say it's a bad, bad movie. It's not. I mean, I've seen more boring movies for the Flop House. I will say that. Like, but it's not like it's entertaining. I've Damning just, with I've faint praise. There. <laughs> I don't see, guys. I think I might say it's a good, bad movie. Oh uh, wow. That is, it is very dumb. And there's a lot. I would say it's a good, bad movie. For the science fiction and fantasy minded people who like to complain about things, because there's a lot to unravel in the kind of very lackluster world building and that the story doesn't really hang together and that kind of stuff. But, yeah, there's no world building. But for your average person who like wants to watch a movie, I would say don't watch it. But now, if you want to see a centaur cop, I guess go on to Mr. Skin and see what the time codes are for when that centaur <laughs> cop shows up. <laughs> Could be. He's not wearing pants. He's a horse. That's Better true. or worse than the last David Ayer, Will Smith film, Suicide Squad? I would say I liked this more than Suicide Squad, if only mm-hmm. because Suicide Squad, this movie only started once and introduced the characters once, whereas Suicide Squad spent roughly an hour reintroducing the characters to us over and over again. Yeah. There's fewer on-the-nose musical cues in this, too. Yes. Although I think there were a couple performances in Suicide Squad that I liked more than yes. the performances in this. Oh, certainly. Uh, okay. Mainly that Jared Leto. Why isn't he always the Joker, you and know? Suicide Squad did have the great moment. This movie has moments like Suicide Squad's great moment where a crocodile man is working with a SWAT team and they have to go through flooded tunnels underwater to plant a bomb. And the crocodile man says, I'll bring it in. They go, no, 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 let us do it. And it's like, 
why'd you bring a crocodile man with you <laughs> if you're not going to let him do the swimming part? Yeah, th- that's a movie where they need to d- uh, close the portal by throwing a bomb into it, and they're like, well, there's a bad guy whose only power is throwing things. <laughs> Give it to the crocodile man. Mm-hmm. Uh, bad resource management. That's the real problem with Suicide Squad. <laughs> yep. Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. And together, we host a podcast called Still Buffering, where we answer questions like, why should I not fall asleep first at a slumber party? How do I be fleet? Is it okay to break up with someone using emojis? And sometimes we talk about bugs. No, we don't. Nope. <laughs> Find out the answers to these important questions and many more on Still Buffering, a sister's guide to teens through the ages. I am a teenager. And I I was two butts, 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 butts. Hi there, I'm comedian and movie buff Ricky Carmona, and I'm excited to tell you about a new show I'm doing called Who Shot Ya? Join me, LA Weekly film critic April Wolf. I'm going to call Star Wars when it comes out the Clint Howard Project. (laughs) (laughs) Film reviews editor for The Wrap, Alonzo Duraldi. Everything Charlize Theron knows about killing somebody with a high-heeled shoe, she learned from single white female. Trust me. (laughs) And our dope-ass friends each week. The stunt guys were asking me, like, do you need a stunt double in here for for you to skate? I'm like, no, no, I I was on skates at three. So if you're tired of whack opinions and you're looking for a smart, funny film discussion show, check out Who Shot Your Son? That's what we do. And you can find us at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, but we've got a few sponsors. That's what they're called. My brain didn't get the word for a second there. That's okay. It's late. We watched Bright. Classic damn. Anyway, the Mothouse... <laughs> Supported in part by laughing at, I assume, a memory of something you saw as a child that was funny. (laughs) (laughs) Laughing at how dismissive I am right before I'm about to read the sponsors. People who've paid to like sponsors. Here's this junk. No, no. I thought I thought it was like a remembrance of things past type moment where suddenly (coughs) years of memories came flooding back and you laughed at them. Bill Murray's costume in Quick Change was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. Anyway. Interesting one to pull from the ether. Dan, what's, who's our first sponsor tonight? Uh, our first sponsor, Flophouse, is supported in part by Casper, a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience. It is exceptionally comfortable, <laughs> or whatever it is you said. I can feel that word oh going my God. halfway through. Dan, how many days into correct. sober January are you? That's right. I'm not, I was expecting a, a slightly more... Oh, man. I'm, I'm not drinking for January, and it appears to be impairing me. I think you slur more when you don't drink. Yeah. Uh, an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. Casper offers affordable prices because they cut out the middleman and sell directly to the consumer. Look, Casper brand mattresses mm-hmm. combine multiple supportive memory <laughs> foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. And you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. Start sleeping ahead of the curve with Casper. So get a mattress, sleep on it for 100 nights, and return it, is what Dan said. <laughs> no, that's not, <laughs> that's not what he's not saying. What I'm saying. 
Now, Dan, you sleep on a Casper mattress. Would yeah. you say your sleep is better than it was before you Casperized? Uh, Think back to your life before you slept on a Casper mattress. Let's call this question... Was I ever so young, Stuart? (laughs) (laughs) Let's call this question the enigma of (coughs) Casper sleeper. Mm -hmm. Dan, is it better... Now that you're asleep. Now, was that that was an enigma of Casper Hauser joke? <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, Listeners, I'm, write saying, in if you got that are joke. Are you saying I'm being too mainstream? <laughs> Listeners, write in and tell me whether you understood what Elliot was <laughs> too on. Too obvious a reference. <laughs> okay, Dan. So your Casper mattress, you love it. You oh, love I love it. it. It's great. I sleep. I well, look. I don't sleep well. I've got sleep apnea. But if I was not medically inclined, more like not to sleep, sleep well. crapnia. Am I right? Because <laughs> mm, he poops himself. You know, girlfriend. Not the. <laughs> <laughs> Not the mattress's fault. <laughs> now, Archie, your cat, he likes the mattress too. He right? loves it. He <laughs> sleeps on it all the time. That's all cats do is sleep. So this is a Casper mattress that fa- that functions for multiple species: human and cat. Orcs love it. Elves love it. Yeah. It's a great mattress, and you can get a discount. You can get fifty dollars toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com/flophouse and using the promo code flophouse, all one word, at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, and we also have a second sponsor, which is our good friends at Squarespace. <laughs> what are you laughing about? <laughs> Thank you still thinking about that quick change costume. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it crazy. Like, He's a clown? <laughs> it's like robbing a bank or oh, something. Oh, man. Uh, Brad Gina Davis was there. <laughs> <laughs> to help? <laughs> to put him in jail. She plays no, a cop, right? Jason Robards was a cop in that. <laughs> Yeah, I know they look no, no, exactly alike. No, you're thinking of Earth Girls Are Easy when Jason Robards is best friends with Julie Brown. <laughs> when Jason Robards has sex with Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, exactly. And in The Fly, where Jason Robards also, Robards, also from Ebert and Robards also has sex with, with Jeff Goldblum. Okay. And Cut Robards Island, the movie where he plays a pirate. <laughs> Cut Robards the long kiss with good Roberts. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, ready to start your new business? Make it stand out. Get started with Squarespace. Create a beautiful website to do any number of things like showcasing your work, bllogging uh, or publishing content, or selling projects, products and services. <laughs> I mean, isn't a product a project in a way? Selling <laughs> projects and services of all kinds. Cerebus? <laughs> yeah. Of Dave Sim is doing it, I guess. <laughs> Look, how does Squarespace do this? By giving you... I feel like Dave Sims' service website has a thing where it's like, are you a woman? Click yes or no. <laughs> if you click yes, it just says go away. Uh, he's a terrible man. Squarespace I does this by... a story. Uh, there's a, the, there's, sure. there, when I was in... Uh, sorry, at least some no. stories. When I was in college, when I was a freshman at NYU, Evan Dorkin, uh, one of my all-time heroes, came to talk at the NYU Science Fiction Club... And he ended up talking for hours because he's a very talkative guy. And at one point, someone asked him, do you think Dave Sims really going to make it to 300 issues of Cerebus? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. He, but that's all he has to live for. I could see him. He just finishes the last issue and mails it off to the to the printing press and then walks into the street to get hit by a bus. <laughs> <laughs> and that did not happen. Dave Sims continues to live to this yeah. day. But it was one of many times – like. I feel like so much of what Evan Dorkin said during that talk is burned into my brain. That, <laughs> uh, now, Dan, that, speaking uh, of Squarespace. Uh, sure. I have a Squarespace product project that I was wondering if Squarespace might be able to help with. It's a web project. Do you think mm-hmm. they'd be able to help me? Now, can I tell you about it? Sure, please do. It's a website, and it's called brightworld.com. Okay. okay. Have you ever wondered how your town might be different 
in the fantasy world of Bright? Yeah, I don't live in Los Angeles. What would my world be like? Well, imagine your usual walk to the subway in New uh, York, and when you get there, there's an orc. Okay. Standing that, there. Something? Do <laughs> He's I, working in the token booth. Okay. Because that's right. In this crazy fantasy world, New York still operates on subway tokens. <laughs> now, Metro in, cards are not magic enough. Now, instead of riding on a subway train, do I ride in a shy halud? <laughs> no, it's a subway train. Okay. But next to you, is there an elf? No, there isn't. They use taxi cabs. Oh, wow. Because they're so rich. But guess what's next to you? Okay. What? <laughs> what's next to me? A an, centaur? An orc. <laughs> Does this orc attack me or anything? No, he's also going to work. (laughs) Okay. And guess what he's wearing? Guess what this crazy orc is wearing in this crazy fantasy Yeah, this isn't a fucking DOS adventure. What's he wearing? A football jersey. Oh, (laughs) Can you believe it? Okay, so you get off the subway. So what's the con? Is this website just you asking questions? (laughs) It's like a text-based adventure? (laughs) We take... No, it's very visual. We take pictures that you submit of your city, and we manipulate them to create the bright world version Mm -hmm. of your world. Does that mean we just kind of insert the same picture of an orc into your picture? Yes, maybe. (laughs) Still... Simple I feel like thing. very visual is the kind of compliment you would see on the box for the DVD of Bright. <laughs> I feel like it's the kind of compliment that a mother would give to her child's <laughs> like homemade comic book that she doesn't understand. Oh, it's very visual. Yeah. So anyway, brightworld.edu, let's say. Because okay. it's educating you about how your world would be different in the world of Bright. <laughs> yes. Dan, let's say like, you lived in... It's like how EC Comics used to be called educational. <laughs> exactly. Let's say you lived in St. Louis, Missouri. Mm-hmm. This is a normal American city in the 21st century. How would it be different if there were fantasy creatures? Let's say you go to the St. Louis Arch. Mm-hmm. Guess what you see there? Uh, I I want to go out on a limb here and say an orc. All right, so I guess <laughs> I guess you got it. Okay, well uh, maybe let's go. You go to Washington D.C. and guess guess who you see clean in the floors <laughs> in Congress? Is it? Is it an orc? You know it. <laughs> That's brightworld.edu. So, Dan, how do I get Squarespace on top of this? I want this to look the same. I want this to scale for both mobile platforms and my and laptops and desktop screens. Can they do that? Yes. What about d- tech support? I want tech support. You've got 24-7 award-winning customer support. Yes, you've got that. You've got other things like built-in search engine optimization and analytics. You've got I need that. powerful e-commerce functionality and beautiful customizable templates created by world-class designers that you can ma- use to make your stupid website. <laughs> I'm talking to Elliot. I'm not talking to you, the <laughs> listener. Yeah, I'm editorializing somewhat. <laughs> Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And I when guess someone doesn't want to know what his apartment would look like in Bright World. <laughs> guess, guess who your roommate is. <laughs> guess, Dan. Guess. <laughs> is it an orc? <laughs> you know it. <laughs> Head to squarespace.com. Hey, Dan, do you have a coworker? Oh, a co- or a co-worker. <laughs> you have a co-worker. Even an orc is a co-worker. Okay. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code FLOP to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. What if I have a failure to launch? <laughs> well, then you're Matthew McConaughey. What if failure to launch took place in Bright World? <laughs> I think it would go a little something <laughs> like this. All right, all right, all right. I'm an orc. That's, that's Matthew oh, wow. McOrkany. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Matthew Orkanahi. Yeah. Orkanahi. I think I think at this point in the night, Elliot is showing off how uh living in LA has affected his sleep schedule. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um I think so we got a couple jumbotrons. Oh, we got 
Jumbotrons. Elliot, do you have one or is it just me? No, I have one. Would you, uh, should I go first or would you like to go first? I mean, I started talking to you, so why don't you start going? I'll do it. Who is this message for? This is a message for DM Rab. And it's, this message comes from Cade Blanchett. Ocker, or Ochre, I apologize if I mispronounced it, Mirren and Gerald. And they say, Gale and Helmet, Traveler, thanks for the unbelievable amount of work and great storytelling you've given us once a week for over the past two years. Looking forward to more great sessions of Elk Catapults, The Crab Uncle, and Bimmies. You're the best DM a mouse boy, grumpy bird, half-orc, and a nasty egg-loving dragonborn could ask for. Love you, bun. This already sounds like a more fleshed out, well thought out world than bright. Like, yeah, I want to no, see a totally. movie set in this world. Good work, DM Rab. <laughs> uh, Stuart, do you have a message? This message you? is for Anna. The message is from Chris. <clears throat> hey, butt munch. <laughs> <laughs> I love you so much, and I'm glad you're finally listening to podcasts. With your help, I might finally learn to tell the difference between Dan and Stuart's voices. It's pretty simple. Generally based on content. (laughs) (laughs) What's that to do with the voice? (laughs) Elliot, could you please sing another letter song just for Anna? They're her favorite. I'm being sincere. She started listening because of Elliot's singing abilities. Hmm. Uh, I guess we're receiving jumbotrons from insane people. (laughs) (laughs) The longer it went on, the less sincere it sounded. (laughs) Uh, well, that's a lovely little message. Yeah, it is a lovely message. That is lovely. That is lovely. Hey, Dan, is it time for the segment that involves me singing before? No, let me first, quickly. Oh. We gotta do some plugs, right? Uh, do we have plugs? Yeah. Well, first, let me quickly... Let's uh, do some plugs and plugs. Mike Plug, that is. Uh, while we're talking Top about things artist. that are lovely, uh, I just want to thank a bunch of people who have sent us gifts. This won't take long. I want to say we we unwrap them before the episode, despite Dan's uh, fervent uh, belief that we should do all the unwrapping on air. <laughs> he was like, "It'll be great radio." I guys. asked which way we should do it, and yeah. Anyway, uh, thanks to Steve Sacco for the posters, Billy Whitehouse for the books, John John Carlo D'Alessandro for the comic zine Milk and Honey. Oh, awesome! Yeah. John Hendricks for the DVD of Bulletproof. Uh, thanks to Candace for the Flophouse zine. There's a zine that is... Is that the uh, original Peach Flophouse activity zine? Yeah, it's... One? Difficulty medium? Yeah, yeah, it is um, indeed a zine about us, the Flophouse, and I will tell listeners that interested floppers can find the zine and perhaps future volumes for purchase at, his, at her website, smutpunks.com. <laughs> With, awesome. With, <laughs> Which is now your homepage. With all the proceeds going to the ACLU. That's oh cool. Smut spelled like smut. Punks spelled P U N X dot com. I mean, I guess that from your pronunciation. Oh, did I? All right. Anyway, so if you want to support the ACLU and get a little peaches zine, then you can do that. Mm-hmm. I do. Um, thanks to Kyle and Kristen for the Christmas card. For, to Sean for the Crypt Keeper t-shirt. Oh, man, that Crypt Keeper t-shirt's awesome. And uh, That's uh, from Sean in that great band Mega Colossus, who I met at the Black Cat show. Yes, and lastly, but not leastly, uh, to Emily Stewart, uh, thanks for the DVDs and for the toys for Archie. Oh, yeah, yeah, the the Dragon Wars D-War exclusive DVD set that comes with an exclusive medallion <coughs> 
that they claim is now own piece of Dragon Wars. So <laughs> you'll be wearing I guess that. I'm gonna have a dragon kill you're, me. You're <laughs> or maybe I'll control the dragon. Your I don't dream remember of the movie owning that a well. piece of Dragon Wars. <laughs> it's finally come to fruition. I assume when somebody would ask me if I wanted to own a piece of Dragon Wars, it would be like a shard of a DVD, but no, no, no. We're talking an actual replica medallion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The famous so, medallion. <clears throat> we, uh, we have a little uh, pitch to do, obviously. <coughs> we always like to promote our podcast network, uh, Maximum Fun. And, uh, you know, in a, in a month or two, we're going to be doing the, uh, the Maximum Max Fun Drive, and we're going to have some bonus content on there. One of the bonus episodes I'd like to plug right now, um, I think Dan's going to do the majority of the talking on this one. Uh, it's a little project we're calling... <laughs> Dangerous liaisons. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> now, when did we come up now, with this, this last this night? This was last night, something that we conceived of, and I think it was a real future. Dangerous liaisons is a podcast in which Dan regales us with true life story autobiographical erotic yarns from his checkered career as a something of a Casanova. And Stuart and I interrogate him. We're interlocutors who bring out the best bring out the Hellman's and also (laughs) question him on some of the points that seem a little confusing or so. Yeah. Any of the muddy points. Now bring up adults only dangerous liaisons is only for uh, mature adults who are interested in the mature adult escapades of one Dan McCoy. Or or like, or like kids who want to learn something. (laughs) And it's uh, loosely, it was inspired by a conversation Dan had with my brother about a particular scenario that took place, which my brother was very impressed by. Let's not get into this. (laughs) Like, I think I walked up to D- David, last name withheld, Elliot's brother, and his hair was standing on end, and, like, uh, I think his face was flushed. He was so excited. So, I guess Dangerous Liaisons, look for it on I iTunes. I didn't agree to It might be, we might, the bonus episode might be an audio version, or Dan keeps pushing that we do a video version where it's uh, it's told with the camera just on Dan's face. Yeah, like a so Spalding can, Gray monologue. Yeah, so he can look, look you right in the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is not. Yeah, also, uh, I know you don't want to. You don't want to. You know, build it up too much, Dan. But I'm pretty proud of this venture. Uh, I'd like to <laughs> plug a real thing, which is uh, to remind everyone about the Flophouse comics that we have. Oh yeah, we had our our second group of comics on the theme of love. Uh, they're still available on the Flophouse Podcast website, and all proceeds go to Hurricane <coughs> Relief through the Unidos uh, Hurricane Relief Fund for Puerto Rico. Uh-huh. Uh, Puerto Rico is still in trouble all these many weeks after they were hit by a hurricane. It's ridiculous. And we still got to help them. So please donate if you can, and you'll enjoy some new comics by I'm us. I'm really proud of the stuff we put out. Yeah, we put out some really good stories this time. <clears throat> First time, oh boy. No, but this time, really good. Uh, but now it's time. Did to, I miss anything, Dan? No, you didn't miss. Okay. Anything. Uh, should I should I plug any of our live shows that we haven't scheduled? Uh, we can tease. We can tease that in the summer, uh, we will have a live show in New York City when Elliot comes back to visit. Uh, those that we'll keep the date. Under wraps for now because tickets are so not on sale. Don't make any plans your whole don't summer. Don't make any plans your whole summer. <laughs> or make plans to come to New York for your yeah, whole summer. I know you were planning on going to either summer camp or uh, summer vacation or ski school. Don't do it. Just stay at home waiting uh-huh. to find out when that show's going to be. Man, I wish I could just go to fucking ski school. <laughs> we all want to go to ski school, Stuart. 
But hey, Dan, I think it's that time of the show where we talk about the letters people sent us. And we'll go to the mailbox and ask ourselves a question. And that question goes like this. Hey, what would it be like to get a letter in Bright World? A letter from an orc or a letter from an elf. A letter from a centaur to yourself. It's a letter written to you from your fantasy friends in Bright World. (laughs) Dear you, the listener, hey, how's it going with you? I hope you're having a great time doing the things that you normally do in a city that looks just like the city you live in right now, except there's an orc on the corner and once in a wide establishing shot there's a dragon in the sky but has that changed the way that the city functions no does that change the places you go does it change the things that you show every day no 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 because bright world is your world and my world and our world together love and orc <laughs> thank you for that um, all right, so I'll put down my phone, <laughs> which I was looking at during that song, and here we go. Yeah, Stuart, what are you laughing at on your phone? Uh, you know, memes. Sure, dank memes. Anyway. Should I not sing my In the Heights, In the Bright parody? <laughs> no, I think we're... I think In we're... the Bright, we've got orcs and elves and stuff. In the Bright, we figure that that's enough. So... Real uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda Fest today. Uh, I guess it is. Well, I mean, I don't you know any of the music from the Bring It On musical, some, uh, so that's all I can do. You're doing the uh, Room Where It Happened bit. Yeah, 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 yeah I remembered. All right. So, this letter is from Mark Last Name with Dan, you tell me another recent Broadway <laughs> show that has national appeal. Name uh, it. Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> Dear Evan Hansen, what's your show about? <laughs> I'm not interested enough to go see it. Love, Elliot. <laughs> wow. Uh, Elliot to Broadway, drop it, drop dead. Uh, gorgeous would Fred. be a great movie to do a musical of. <laughs> drop it. Fred and Gorgeous. I love how both of you went a different direction. <coughs> Phoebe Kate's triumphant debut on the Great White Way and Drop Dead Fred, the musical. Starring uh, Kevin Klein as Fred. Oh, that would be great. That would bring them closer together. Mm hmm. This is from Mark, last name withheld. Okay. Marco Beltrami. <laughs> Ooh, <nice. laughs> it has to be. Hey, floppers. I live in a town where a lot of movies are filmed. Moab, Utah. There's often casting calls for movie extras, so it's not uncommon for locals to get on screen. I was at a work luncheon with my partner, and the venue had a movie museum in the basement to pay homage to all the films shot here. While we were looking at my partner's co-worker's husband... While we were looking... My partner's co-worker's husband mentioned that he was in a movie, and naturally we asked him which one. He proceeded to ask if we'd heard of a little film called The Great Bikini Off-Road Adventure. <laughs> Hell yeah. Having never seen the movie, I didn't even realize <laughs> it was shot in my town. Naturally, I went home and watched it, and sure enough, he's one of the tourists that go on the first tour. Unfortunately, he isn't the headbanger with the long hair. Is he the Japanese tourist who can't can't get over the sight of female breasts. <laughs> wow, you remember this movie very well. Uh, not only was he in the movie, but the center that they run tours out of is, is his hostel, Lazy Lizard Hostel. That's a real place? Apparently. As a very quiet older gentleman. I just thought it was part of the world building of the Great Bikini <laughs> Off-Road Adventure. 
As a very <laughs> quiet, older gentleman, this blew me away. Have you ever Wait, had an... Is the writer the quiet, older gentleman? <laughs> yeah, or the owner. Uh, write in, Mark, and tell us. Dan? The owner is a... Okay. Don't write in, Mark. Have you ever had an experience that made you realize that a quiet slash uns- unsuspecting acquaintance... Unsuspecting. I don't know if he means that. Uh, made you realize that right, a quiet... Maybe unassuming. Redline it later unassuming. and then you can mail it back to him with a grade. Acquaintance. <laughs> See me after class. May have lived a very different life before the time you met them. I know this is small, but it really caught me by surprise. Thanks, Mark. Uh, I just want to point out that there's a book called Where God Put the West, Movie Making in the Desert. That's all about the Western movies that were shot in Moab. Uh-huh. Is, do they talk about Great Bikini Off-Road Adventure? They don't. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, so this is like people we've known who were quiet and unassuming and had like a kind of crazy story behind them? Yes. Um, I recently found out that on a show I worked on that two of my coworkers not found – they found out that they had both been kidnapped as children. Mm-hmm. So that was something I didn't suspect at all. But also there was this guy I used to know. They found out that? I mean, in conversation. They, they were like, you oh, were kidnapped like, as a child? I was kidnapped as a child, oh, too. Okay. No, it's not like a psychologist came by and did <laughs> hypnosis therapy for everybody yeah, as yeah. an office prank at the party. <laughs> but uh, there was uh, there was a guy I worked with <laughs> once prank. who, like, you know, like, <laughs> I thought he was just, I thought he was just this, like, kind of older guy who just kind of lived in a cabin and chopped wood. And then one day... This military guy came up to find him and was like, we need you back. And he was like, how did you find me? And they were like, come on, John Rambo. And he was like, I haven't heard that name in a long time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I thought this was just my neighbor who liked to chop wood and stack it next to his cabin. Alternately, I had another neighbor who was like, he lived out in the desert and he just wore a brown cloak and would practice his crate dragon calls. And then Luke Skywalker was like... uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And he's like, that's the name I haven't heard in a long time. And I was like, no, that's just old Ben, the guy I know. Turns out a lot of people turn have amazing stories. <laughs> Executive produced by Steven Spielberg. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, I met a lot of like I meet a lot of weird dudes at the bar, uh, just weird people in general. But I think when it was back when I was working for the hobby store, I had a coworker who uh, I knew he I knew that he had spent some time in the army, but. Uh, as I talked to him more and more, I started finding out all these stories about him, like, you know, like having a guy break into his home and he almost killed the guy with his hands and then like getting in a bar fight and then having the earlier thing uh, get brought up in court against him and him having to register with the city of Baltimore as being a as like a potential weapon, like a living weapon type thing. So that was pretty cool. Wow. <laughs> Living weapon. Okay, so the guest has been going to your bar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. His, his name's Dan Stevens. Uh, Dan, you're kind of a quiet, unassuming guy. What exciting thing do you have in your your background? Don't want to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> you have to wait to listen to dangerous liaisons. Um. So yeah, I don't. I can't really. The closest thing I can think of is my dad once told a story where he said that he was um, watching the movie On the Beach, which is a movie about a uh, nuclear apocalypse, basically. I mean, like, uh, survi- what is it, like survivors in Australia? The last, the last humans alive are in Australia yeah. as the as the nu- radioactive cloud enshrouds the Earth, and it's they're just kind of, in many ways, marking the time until the cloud reaches them. Right. And so he saw this depressing movie about uh, war annihilating the, the world, and 
he said that he like walked out wearing a military uniform and all of the people around him were giving him side eye because of this war movie that like they destroyed the world. And I was like, whoa, 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 hold up military uniform. Like I had never known that my dad had served in any way <laughs> at all. And this just like, this is less a story, I guess about a quiet, unassuming person and surprise and more story about how little we talk in my family. <laughs> well, like yeah. Your dad was like, why did you think I had to register <clears throat> as a living weapon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He holds up his, his two liquid metal blade hands. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to kill you, son. I came from the future. Wait, but you're my dad. Yeah, well, I came back to have you and then I and then kill mm-hmm. you. Skynet. That's complicated. So yeah. your dad served in the military? I didn't know that. Uh, I believe the Air Force, although I don't think he ever flew, really. Um, I don't know what the story is behind that. Are you He's sure it wasn't the hair force? Tight-lipped. Which would mm-hmm. be a Bugs Bunny cartoon? Yeah. yeah. He is He is a quiet, unassuming gentleman. Mm-hmm. Thank, some, your, thank your dad for his service for us. Someday sure. a military guy's going to show up at your parents' house, and he's going to be like, I thought I put that all behind me. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to get wrapped up in it somehow. It'll make you guys closer. Yeah. Um, so this next letter is from Alex, last name withheld. Mm-hmm. Mac. And Secret she, World, of, Alex Smith, and she writes, <laughs> Alex Smith. Oh, uh, yeah, like Alex Mack. Hello, Secret World of. Hello, flopperinos. As connoisseurs of the greatest media format since those little binoculars that you put money into and watch a naughty story in, mm-hmm. mayhaps a mustachioed scoundrel spying on a naked lady. <laughs> I wonder whether you had a similar experience to me when I was but a young lass. I used to rifle through my father's substantial collection of VHS tapes and admire the various covers, wondering what the films were actually like. The one cover that used to fascinate me more than any other was the VHS box for Ridley Scott's Blade Runner. I was really into that artwork. When I eventually watched the film, I was pleased to find that the cover actually lived up to my expectations. Did you ever have a similar experience? Were you ever fascinated with a VHS cover? And did the film turn out to be everything you ever wanted it to be? Keep on flopping. Alex's last name withheld. P.S. Stu, you're my favorite because you're the bad boy of podcasts. Yeah. Tell that to my dad. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there's a couple of VHS tapes, uh, covers that I remember from my video store. Uh, one of them I actually haven't seen, uh, and the other I have seen and think totally rules. Uh, so I've seen Black Roses. I remember seeing the DVD or the VHS tape case, and it had one of those like puffy uh cases where it had like a raised surface like a and it's just, case. yeah it's but it no but like the surface is also like pushed out from like it had some kind of like oh i see it's like embossed or something yeah like and so it had like these uh you know a bunch of it had a bunch of roses and evil eyes and like a hand holding onto a guitar and it's a super awesome uh rock and roll horror movie with a very catchy soundtrack uh, and the other one that I've seen the cover, but I've actually don't think I've ever seen the movie is, uh, what is it in the company of wolves where the guy is changing into a werewolf or something. And there's like a, a red riding hood stand in, in the background, but the man's changing into a werewolf and there he's like opening his mouth and there's like a wolf snout coming out of his mouth. Whoa. And it's this awesome cover. If you, I don't, I'm surprised you guys haven't seen no, I don't know what it. I'm talking about. I'll pull it up on my phone so I can show you and you can, ooh, and ah, Oh, Dan, uh, anything you? While he's pulling it up on the phone, I guess. No, you can talk can about answer. your own Just answer shit, the question. Dude. No, I'm going to vamp. So, uh, <laughs> hello. Where, where are you guys from? 
Just uh, answer the question, so, Dan. Uh, there was a movie, th- not a, a movie rental place. It's called The Company of Wolves. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that cover, dude. Oh, I remember that cover. It's bonkers. It is bonkers. That's true. Uh, Google that, I guess, listeners. Yeah, somebody needs to see a dentist. <laughs> okay, that joke will make sense once you Google it. <laughs> yeah, rewind the podcast, <laughs> then Google it, then listen to my joke. Uh, I remember there was a video store uh, in town that had a single copy of Bloodsucking Nazi Zombies, otherwise known as Oasis of the Zombies. Mm. But the cover used the Bloodsucking Nazi Zombies title uh, because it is, of course, a superior title. Uh, and uh, I, when I was a kid, I thought that was the funniest thing I'd ever heard of. <laughs> like, it was so over-the-top sleazy. And I was like, this must be the greatest movie. And if you watch it, <coughs> it is sort of, I would say, stultifying might be the word. It's very slow. Uh, it has, I don't know, it's like a sleazy 70s movie. So there's like, um, or like early 80s. So there's a bunch of like naked ladies running around. But that's the only. Wait, what movie? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, blood-sucking Nazi zombies. That was the one that I was like, this can't possibly live up to its title and cover, and it did not. This uh, question reminded me of a box cover I had not remembered in a long time, but it came back to me as the same Firestein Theater, like the hot kiss at the end of a wet fist. The, <laughs> the, uh, there was in the video store I grew up with, Palmer Video in uh, or and no 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 it was Video Town in Melbourne, New Jersey. Palmer Video was the other store. There was a movie called L.A. Goddess uh-huh. that just had like a was clearly like some kind of sexy movie, uh-huh. but like hard bodies. Yeah, and I was like probably eight. Yeah, from the ages of eight through twelve, would see it on the on the shelf, and it was not in. The porn section, which I knew existed, and was through like some, you know, those a beaded curtain. Those canteen, yeah. it was like it was like saloon doors. <laughs> and, but hey, was, partner, you got to be this high <laughs> to be able to look at this material. You walk in, you go, Give me a whiskey and a porn. <laughs> but but uh, it was always on the shelf, and I was always like, this must be like a like a grown up sex movie of some kind. But I never saw it. But the cover always stuck with me. And looking it up now online, I see that like James Hong and Joe Estevez were in it. So now I'm really curious about this dumb movie. So. Anyway, that was that was one. What was the, it called? Hollywood Sex it's Goddess. It's called L.A. Goddess. Okay, but LA that's one again. Oh, I've never is. seen it. Don't know anything about it. But it just always like was was sitting there on the shelf, looking just me in the face. Here. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. But the woman pulling up her nightly <laughs> leg. Uh, it says work hard, play hard, right? Work hard, play easy. It's oh, that's uh, weird. Uh, and it's from the director of Night Eyes, according to the cover. So yeah, okay. it's probably not a sexy movie then. <laughs> no. <laughs> Anyway, never seen it, but that cover, when I was a kid at least, it was like, what is this? All right, last, I see that woman's whole leg. Last letter of the show is from Graham, last name withheld. Cracker. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thanks to your podcast. Not calling him that, just saying it's a phrase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not Teddy. <laughs> that, well, I mean, Teddy would be his first name, yeah. and Graham would be the last name. Thanks to your podcast, I'm striving to become a connoisseur of good, bad movies. I recently brought it upon myself to watch a film you have mentioned a few times, though as at time of writing have not yet flopped. A timeless classic of a love story between a comic book writer and a cartoon stripper. I'm referring to none other than Ralph Bakshi's Cool World. Mm -hmm. 
I went in expecting a less competently made Who Framed Roger Rabbit knockoff, but was instead bombarded with a melee of gratingly voiced and grotesquely drawn characters, an incomprehensible plot, the inexplicable presence of Brad Pitt, and of course... He's a human cop inside the Toon universe. so much Because he died in the 40s. What's not to understand? And of course, cringy cartoon on human sex. I've had fever dreams that were less hard on my senses than this movie. But when trying to apply the Flophouse's otherwise fine rating system, I noticed something odd. It's not a movie I kind of liked because, well, it's terrible. It's not a good-bad movie because it wasn't funny and I would be too embarrassed to watch it with anyone else. But I couldn't quite bring myself to mentally categorize it as a bad-bad movie. Yes, it was awful, but I didn't find it boring. Its sheer incompetence in storytelling was fascinating as it desperately tries to be both an R-rated horror film and a PG-13 comedy. Plus, the visuals... The stylized urban backdrops in particular and the soundtrack kept my attention, along with the curiously sad feeling that a movie like this could only be made in the 90s. 2D animated films are becoming... so strange. I find it so fascinating. Mm -hmm. Why? Just because if Hollywood, Hollywood? Yep. You're just just reciting the ad you saw on a fucking comic (laughs) book, Elliot. On the back of every comic book for four months in in 92 or whatever. Uh, 2D animated films are becoming rarer and 2D live action hybrids even rarer. Cool World, for all its many failures, is if, is, if nothing Neither else. Neither cool nor a world. <laughs> and thus ends my book report. <laughs> it is, if nothing else, unique. What other amb- unambiguously terrible films have you seen which, despite not being good-bad movies, are worth watching purely as a lesson in seeing how hard a movie can fail or because there was an interesting idea in there somewhere? Thanks for giving me so many hours of entertainment on my travels. Graham, last name withheld. So movies that aren't good, bad, but are worth watching for, I don't know, crazy reasons, let's say. No, I mean, I think I don't necessarily even think it's crazy reasons. I think it's pretty clear that one of the ideas is that one of the the movie I'm going to mention is a movie I don't recommend. And it's a movie that we've we've watched on the show. But I think a movie that like does Oogie loves basically everything wrong is uh, Sucker Punch, the Zack Snyder film. Yeah. Because uh-huh. um, it it's clearly trying to tell this story, this like almost whimsical story of a girl who is like lives this fairy tale, ex- like lives a fairy tale existence in her head to kind of get out of the like shittiness of her actual life. Um, and it tries to be empowering, but in turn just turns, it turns her into an object of uh, like desire. And it's, like such a fascinating, a fascinatingly wrong-headed movie, and it's also filtered through just the general negativity that every Zack Snyder movie is filled with. And the fantasy sequences are such strange mishmashes of concepts. Yeah, you know, like out the cyborg World War One dragons and things like that. Which, in a way, wouldn't be like if it was informed by other stuff. I mean, we could talk about that movie forever, but I mean, it's kind of the opposite of Bright in that Bright is a movie where they're like, it's the regular world, but there's a bunch of fantasy shit. And Sucker Punch is like, the world, this is just craziness. Nothing about this world is normal, and it's impossible to find purchase in it. Like, you cannot. You never know where you're, whether you're coming or going. And in the this movie. the and so much of it is stuff that happens in like a fantasy world. In like her fantasy, but yeah. nothing in her life seems to inform why she has fantasies that are basically what like a teenage boy would be into. Yeah, and the real world that she's in is is just as stylized and strange as the fantasies that she goes into. Yeah, they're just less like actiony. You know. Yeah, that's a that's a good answer for that. 
Good answer. I think that there are movies that are unambiguously bad, bad, that are kind of interesting because they shine a light on a particular type of filmmaking, or, or not maybe a type of filmmaking, but like an era of a kind of film. Like, like there are wacky 60s comedies, like something like Casino Royale, which is deadly boring, and none of the comedy works whatsoever. But I find it kind of fascinating because it's this snapshot of like what people thought was like this is the gonzo 60s we can throw anything at the wall and and then it's going to be funny and like it's like this like this like weirdly like somehow combines being incredibly slow paced with being zany and wacky Mm -hmm. at the same time and i don't know how like scientifically you can do that it seems like they should be (laughs) those two things should go together and explode uh <laughs> yep but I like oil and water <laughs> <That's not laughs> the way happens. <laughs> i mean that's not a great answer but that's something that occurred to me uh yeah i don't know i think i feel like sucker punch was, was a was a good answer and that's also a good answer and i don't have as good an answer okay cool well, so, thanks for writing. So I guess I'll Dan. What do we do next? While I uh, commit seppuku for v- failing to answer that question. Uh, next, we quickly. <gasps> oh god! Uh, All right. Well, I guess sports, oh, sports, 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 sports. At least you've brought honor to your family. Well, he's dead now. He can't answer. Um, it's me, the ghost of Elliot. Oh, Thank you. Boy. I did bring honor to my family. <laughs> I hope you're not a hungry ghost. Please don't. No, I'm a hungry hippo. I was reincarnated very quickly. <laughs> Do you guys have any like round mar- white marbles? <laughs> That's the uh, natural. Specific. The natural. The natural diet of the hippo is white marbles. <laughs> I mean, do you eat those so that they grind up the like grass in your belly or <laughs> yeah, anything? Yeah, they're in my gizzard. Oh, okay. Uh, what's last on the show is we very quickly uh recommend a movie to watch that is not bright something that we enjoyed hopefully um Stuart, i think you had a couple of recommendations or maybe you won't do both i don't know i can't speak uh i will recommend both because one of them i don't want to talk about too much so uh on the flight back from san francisco i watched a movie called a dark song which is a movie that i really loved it's one of my favorites of the year um it's uh, a movie about a it's set in England and it's about a desperate woman who uh, hi, uh, who rents out this uh, this what this uh, remote large manor house and she hires an occultist to help her perform some kind of dark ritual and her motives are kind of ambiguous Um but the occultist that she hires is this very like blue collar, almost like a chav who uh, approaches everything in a very workmanlike manner. And uh, I think it's a movie that does so it's a horror movie and it does so much with the location and uh, the sounds and the music um, and the very limited amount of special effects when used are great. And it feels like there's some surprising things, but everything in the movie feels like it's it flows naturally in the story. I think it's just really beautiful. Um, and in a not beautiful mode, I'm going to recommend a I'm going to have a qualified recommendation 
I just watched Brawl in Cell Block 99 from oh. uh, Craig Zoller, who made... Uh, I want to see that. <laughs> Craig Zoller, who made Bone Tomahawk. Uh, and it is uh, it is a another, let's say, at best uh, conservative throwback, at worst, probably thinly veiled racist story, where, uh, in this case, Vince Vaughn plays a massive bald uh tattooed drug enforcer or a, a drug dealer who gets sent to prison and is coerced into uh fighting for his life basically and it's shot in a similar style as bone tomahawk in a very like uh no frills uh little score if any like other than the occasional music um and the fight scenes uh, vince vaughn just kind of like kind of like Frankenstein style lurches through. And uh, as if, if you've seen bone Tomahawk, you'll know that the violence when it happens is horrible. (laughs) And the things that one body does to another body just should never happen. The amount of Mario brothers stomping on heads is impressive. (laughs) Uh, And it's all so, uh, and Vince Vaughn actually gives a pretty good performance, but it's also got, you know, a great performance from Don Johnson and Udo Kier, two guys who, when put in a trashy movie, know how to really fucking yuck it up. So if you're looking for something a little bit gross and uh, a little bit old fashioned, I'd check out uh brawl in cell block 99. Uh, the movie that I saw recently that I think I enjoyed the most was I Tanya, uh, which yeah. clearly people know S- sequel to iRobot. Yeah. <clears throat> they made that joke on comedy bang bang already. I wasn't comedy bang bang. I don't know. Uh, I, should, I, what, uh, should I mail them a dollar? I apologize. What's, what's, what do they say? What's the joke? Yeah. Well, last year they, they did the song, Don't Joke About, Please Don't Joke About iRobot This Christmas. Oh, okay. This year they did, Please Don't Joke About I, Tanya This Christmas. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I feel like that's I a different quite joke than what I made. <laughs> no, no Sorry. One, no okay, one it's, the, it's the prequel to I, Claudius, then. There you go. Uh, Sorry, County Bang Bang. My dollar's in the mail. So, I, Tanya is obviously about the Tanya Harding, uh, Nancy Kerrigan incident. Uh, <laughs> Assault, I think is what you would call it. <laughs> yeah. No well, comment they, is what he would say. <laughs> <laughs> they call the incident in the movie, uh, the people who are like, they're like, oh, you just here came here to hear about the incident. Uh, but it's, uh, I give it a content warning. Um, Margot Robbie as Tanya Harding gets abused a lot in the movie both from her parents and from her husband the the physical abuse in the movie is is introduced very suddenly and is very intense yeah and i i know when i was watching the movie i was not expecting it and it really shocked me a little bit mm-hmm. how's uh, that uh how's that allison janney though she's great man she's awesome she's great the whole cast is really good in it um I don't know why she lip syncs the jackal at one point <laughs> it's weird that's just what she does now and everything but <laughs> um but uh, I, Tanya is very fast-moving and entertaining, and it uses a lot of stylistic techniques that in another movie might irritate me. It uses a lot of, like, you know, needle drops on on uh, music, and it uses a lot of graphics on screen, and it has 
characters uh, all sort of trading narration of the story. Mm -hmm. Uh, Although that latter one in this situation where like there is no official version that anyone can prove, like at least just makes thematic sense that they would all be narrating their own versions of what happened. Um, But in this movie, for whatever reason, I feel like it all works. I found it extremely. Yeah. Diverting, uh, and uh, I won't say too much about the plot or anything like that. It's just worth watching. And, Keep the uh, surprises. Yeah, and uh, quickly because I know people like when I talk about movies I saw on planes. I saw Logan Lucky when flying back home for Christmas. Uh, Steven Soderbergh's uh, like low low uh, <laughs> income famed, version of Ocean's Eleven. Famed Irish filmmaker Steven Soderbread. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mad Magazine. <laughs> uh, no, they would have called him Steven Soderbleck. <laughs> that's right. Um, I don't know. I don't really have a lot to say about that either. I just you know watched the movie on a plane, so I wanted to bring it up. It's good. Mm-hmm. Go watch it. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie I didn't see on a plane. This is a movie you guys probably have seen already, and the people listening probably have seen already, but it was new to me because I got a big stack of screeners for the Writers Guild Awards. Oh, good stuff. But I finally got to see a movie called Dunkirk that I I wanted to see and I missed in the theaters, and I really loved it. Uh, I thought it's shot beautifully, and the story it tells is both very spare and very complicated, and it gives you a real sense of the importance and the emotion around the Dunkirk evacuation without having scenes of like men pointing pointers at maps and being like, we're here. France is there. We need to get our boats from blah, blah. There's like very little of the movie explaining itself to you. And I, I I watched it the night after I watched the post and the post is all characters explaining what they're doing and what the historical significance is. In the beginning of Dunkirk, you're introduced to a character who has not spoken any dialogue yet. You don't know anything about him. And yet instantly I was like so much more invested in his life than in anything in the entire movie I just watched the night before. Uh, so what can I tell you? Christopher Nolan does it again. One caveat. If you're like me, all these kind of generally in their early 20s to early 30s English men with dark hair – Kind of look the same after a while. Yeah. So there were definitely parts where I was like, which guy is this again? Uh, He's over there now? I think that was a common problem that people had with the movie, but yeah. But uh, but I really liked it a lot. And in case you're like, oh, another epic overlong, it's like an hour and 40 minutes long. Yeah, it's the shortest movie. Yeah. It's, Shorter than Memento. And it's beautiful. He shoots things in it. In a way that <laughs> things, things in it. Oh no! Oh no! I think that's what it says on the DVD case for Dunkirk. It's shorter it's than, shorter than Memento. He, the way it's shot uh, at times reminded me of like not not exactly identical, but the way that like Powell and Pressburger movies look, where it's mm-hmm. like the color is gorgeous and it's kind of hyper real, but it's not super stylized, and just the way objects look and. There's a kind of stoic, underplayed Britishness to the whole thing that really works. So Dunkirk, I liked it a lot. When we were fl- when I was flying back from San, San Francisco, I kept see looking over people's seat backs and seeing people watching Dunkirk on the plane and just thinking how mad Christopher Nolan would be. <laughs> yeah. I didn't shoot that on film with practical effects so you could watch it in your aeroplane. <laughs> but I mean, if try, see it on the biggest TV that you can see it on because it'll – so it was one of the few movies that I've seen recently on a big screen TV and it really helped. Yeah. These big fields of blue, they're really gorgeous. 
Well, guys, I'm sad. We've been spoiled uh, recently. We've gotten to what see a mean? lot of each other uh, in person. Yeah, we were walked in each other naked that one time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we saw everything. It was too late. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We'd seen it. But, uh, it was yeah. like an X-Men comic. We were covered up by little bits of steam. <laughs> <laughs> and occasional word balloons. But yeah, we're, I don't, we're not going to be together in the same room for a little while, which is too bad. But um, um, hey, that's the that's the big that's, reason that we got to keep touring, guys. That's we why we be- chose uh, when our father was exiled by the Shogun. We had to choose either the the, <laughs> the ball or the uh, the microphone, and uh-huh. we chose to walk the demon's road and chose the microphone. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying, but that seems like it's right. Yeah, yeah, accurate. Yeah, I remember it. You were you, you were there, but you that. were kind of sleepy. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. that's why you don't remember it. All yeah. right. Well, it's very late where we are, so we should just sign off. Uh, for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. Hey, guys. I'm Stuart Wellington, forever hey. and always. <laughs> <laughs> now and forever, cats. <laughs> I'm Ellie Kalen at the Winter Garden. <laughs> now and forever. Call Telecharge now. <laughs> Okay, the first thing we do is the intro. So I'll do it. Yeah, that. yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, man. Take your word yeah. for it. I'll, okay, I'll buy. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't missed a step. <laughs> <laughs> sounds just right. crazy enough to work. Um, yeah, I'll do it now. <laughs> <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.